0: Yo what's up everybody we're back man. It's first smoke of the day we got a crazy episode for you guys today it's your boy Pat God's in the building here with my co-host Blackleaf you already know and today we got my man Luke yeah yeah what's up fellas my man Graham and Kyle joining us today Thanks how are for you guys from
1: Glasshouse Brands how are you guys Fantastic. Thanks a lot for having us. I was just saying it's an honor to be here. I feel like this is a hallowed ground in the, uh, you know, for everybody from Doja to Nelson to Ted's Buds to Burner, Like, I mean, to be sitting in these seats is a, is a real pleasure. Thank you guys for having us.
0: Thank you guys for coming, making the time. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Yep, yeah, it's an honor to be here. Honor to be here.
1: So let's let's go down the
0: line and just a quick little intro of, of, of each of you guys. We'll start with Luke and kind of just fill the viewers in and the listeners in on mm-hmm. right. who, who they're hearing from. and Okay. Um,
2: well, my name's Luke Scarmazzo. I opened one of the first medical cannabis dispensaries in California back in 2004, um, ran it for two years, was raided by the DEA in 2006, spent 15 years in prison, uh, fighting for justice, fighting to get out for nonviolent cannabis offense. And then, uh, 115 days ago, um, I got out February 3rd. So I've been out 115 days, and uh, it's been a whirlwind, man. It's been great. Um, Immediately linked up with the team at Glass House. Um, They got behind me to do the advocacy work that we really need done in this industry. We got 2,700 people that are sitting in a prison cell like I was for a nonviolent cannabis offense. That's where my focus is. That's where the focus of Glasshouse has been for the since I've been out, and they've been a great team. I'm from the culture, man. You know, I um, I represent the culture. My aunts and uncles grew and smoked weed. I grew my first cycle when I was 15 back in '95. I sold my first joint when I was 12. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm, I mean, the weed is in me. So yeah, I'm happy to be here, man. It's an honor to be here on the first smoke of the day. You guys are beasts at what you do. So. Yeah, it's, it's lovely.
3: Congratulations
0: on 115 days out, bro.
3: Thank you, man. Appreciate that. For
0: sure. Yep. It's happy to have you out. Yep. That's a long time. That's a long sentence. What, a, what did they charge you with? And did you serve your full sentence out?
2: No, I was actually released early. So I was sentenced to 22 years. And wow, I, I was sentenced that way because um, I was charged with what's called a continuing criminal enterprise. And it's basically like the Rico of drugs, right? And it's, it's loosely termed as the Kingpin offense. And, uh, that carries a mandatory minimum of 20 years. So, uh, you know, I've fought, continued to fight. And because of the, like the really hard work of a, uh, lady named Carrie Dent from a law firm called King and Spalding in Washington, DC, she came on at the end after we had filed just a ton of paperwork fighting to get out and just wrote this monster petition and just crushed it. And then, uh, was able to push us over the uh, over the finish line, man. So it was awesome. Got out seven years early. I wouldn't even be here right now if it wasn't for her. I wasn't supposed to get out until September or uh, July of 2027. And because of her and the advocacy work of of Mission Green and my dude, Weldon Angelos, um, the advocacy that Glasshouses did on my behalf, I'm here now. So like, if it wasn't for all that whole team put together, I wouldn't be on your guys' show today. That's real talk. Wow.
0: so to charge you with that was there was there prior investigations or was it all just
2: no it was just it was just for the dispensary so basically what a continuing criminal enterprise is is you have to sell a federal narcotic in a business setting and you have to have five or more employees uh make substantial resources from the uh, enterprise is what they call it and uh be in a supervisor position over those five or more employees so really um you know at that time, like any dispensary, if the prosecutor wanted to get real like crafty with the charging, King could have charged open. them with the kingpin offense. Yeah. So it was crazy, though. Wow.
1: And, was, and wasn't it a, didn't you say because you're keeping all your records because he was paying taxes? Yeah. California, you know, legal business paying his taxes. They use the the records he was keeping against them to prove how much business he was doing. And yeah. was it if you were like another hundred grand more or something like that? Yeah, There's- it
2: was actually eight hundred thousand. So we made nine point two million over roughly like a two-year period, right? If it would have went to ten million, I would have had a mandatory life sentence. So think about that mandatory life sentence from a
1: California legal dispensary. And the only way
2: that they knew what we made was because we paid our taxes. So by like trying to be above board and trying to do everything right, right, they used that against us in trial. So it was it was definitely a a challenge, man. And we thought like if we went into trial. We'd be able to like present our our defense and say, "Hey, look, we were following state law. I had a license from the state, license from the city, paid all of our taxes." So I figured like we could be able to convince like a California jury, like at least one of them, right, to vote not guilty. Well, what we didn't know is in federal court you can't say anything about California law. You can't. I, we couldn't even say the words "medical marijuana," or the judge would have declared a mistrial. So now we go in front of like this jury. They get to paint us as these drug kingpins. And we just got to, like, kind of take it and, like, try to get in stuff, like, where we could. And, man, it was an uphill battle. And, you know, not surprisingly, we ended up finding guilty.
3: A lot of people don't understand what you just said <clears throat> about not being able to talk about California state law in a federal court, right? Yeah. And being able to say, I had a license. We paid taxes. I'd like to use my tax money for my defense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, please uh, send that back. But yeah, uh, I- but a lot of people don't understand that. And that's, that's crazy because… Yeah. Now you have someone else speaking on your behalf, uh, painting a picture that's not accurate.
2: Yeah, And basically the judge said that California law has no relevance in a federal court. They said the prosecutor went up and said, it doesn't matter why he sold cannabis. It only matters that he sold cannabis and that's against federal law. And that's still the case today. Mm -hmm. That's still the case right now. We have federal laws, the Controlled Substance Act that keeps uh, cannabis on a schedule one substance which is the worst schedule that you can be. That means it has no medical efficacy and the highest potential for abuse. And that's why cannabis offenses are still receiving long sentences today. And that's something that we got to change. That's something that Glasshouse that we're working together on the federal level. And Kyle can speak more to that of what he's doing on that level, to be able to just move these laws forward and, you know, not only get people out, but be able to make it to where it's federally legal. And we got, we don't have these issues anymore.
4: And let, let's also remember as we sit here today and join a nice afternoon, the least free person at this table is Luke. He's still on federal probation right now, which is still utterly ridiculous. He can't smoke a joint. <laughs> this my, is my
2: tray is empty. clear just for my <laughs> probation officer. Mm-hmm. My yeah. yeah. I
4: mean, first smoke of the day, it's no smoke of the day mm-hmm. for, for Luke. So the, the war on cannabis continues to this day. And some of what he said is very, should be very cautionary out there right now that the feds are still out there and i i was down in in in, uh georgia last year at the request of somebody who was pleading guilty his name is jose valero jr he prefers to be called ali Ali asked me to come down and speak at his sentencing to the judge i did so he received seven years he's sitting in prison how many pounds do you think he sold in he was sentenced in 2022 okay so less than 12 months ago he was sentenced for cannabis in the United States of America. I'll tell you, he got a year per pound,
1: mm.
4: seven pounds. He's in prison, nonviolent, no criminal history, no, and no, no violence. No. And it's he's serving nuts. hard time. Federal. 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 Based out of uh, Georgia. Well, they, oftentimes, matter. you know, he's from California. He was in Mississippi, okay. so which now you're away from your family. He's in Florida, away from his kids, away from his mom. It's, it's absolutely, most people don't even know this. So Mm -hmm. the fact that you guys are letting us talk about it to show and to share, you know, call your Congress people and tell them, end the war on cannabis. This is absolutely insane. And the vast majority of Americans want it over. And when you say 2,700, you mean uh, 2,700, correct? Or 1,600, you said? Yeah, 2,700 federal
2: cannabis inmates right now, people who are incarcerated for cannabis. And it's, it's, you know, that's a a rough estimate. Mm -hmm. It could be slightly more or slightly less, but it's right around 2,700 of people who are in federal prison right now for a nonviolent cannabis offense.
1: And uh, you know Well, we and at the same time, I mean, they could be in prison investing in our company for doing what they're in prison for, right? Like <laughs> it is a, it's a mental hypocrisy, right? I mean, as Kyle mentioned, it's not this is not a thing of the past. This is a guy was selling all they was selling vape pens on like Facebook and they put him in prison for eight years. I it's see, mental. I said to the judge, look at what we're doing, right? Like mm-hmm. It's crazy how and the hypocrisy it's the number one thing we got to fix right we all know the war on drugs is bullshit. it's not really a war on drugs it's a war on people and mostly people with dark darker skin than us right and like that is the real poverty people it's Mm -hmm. it's poor people and it's people of color that's who it's going after it's got an industrial for-profit prison complex and a whole bunch of reasons and a whole bunch of interests that don't want it to change because it's a business for them right so like i think the most important thing that we can do as industry here is like, that has to be the, the tip of the spear, right? And it's one of the, the things, you know, we were talking about this industry is, I think 98% of us, especially here in California, all agree with each other, right? Like, do we want less taxes? Yes. Do we want less regulations? Yes. Do we all think weed makes the world a better place, right? And then- we argue over this 2% difference rather than spending that industry. I wish everybody making meme pages was making memes about getting the 2,700 people out of prison, right? Like there's here, we're, we're a couple of people arguing indoor greenhouse big, small, whatever. There's a guy from, you know, an alien from planet big pharma, Who wants to kill all of us, right? And rather than banding together and fighting against that, we spend this time chewing, using our industry to chew on our own tails. Like there's 2,700 people. Like take that time, make that difference. If we all united, the problem would be fixed in no time. We just have to decide to do it.
2: Yeah, and just it being Memorial Day, I want to just say we salute. You know, all the people who, you know, sacrifice the ultimate sacrifice in all the men and women in the armed service. But I also wanted to salute all the people who made the ultimate sacrifice for the war on drugs, the casualty that, that we have in the war on drugs, the people that are in prison, people that died because of it. I really just wanted to take a moment just to salute them too.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. To, to go on now your background and to, to go through like similar to Luke's story.
4: Sure. Um, so always a Californian born and raised here. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which, which as you know cannabis is part of the culture just growing up here mm-hmm. and uh, so you know i first started smoking in high school um and uh you know athlete then i was a an inner city special ed school teacher then i was a police officer and um and then just started focusing in on business after that um and then i became a Uh, folks in my businesses and then also became an advocate against the war on drugs Mm -hmm. cannabis was a piece of it to me kind of the most ridiculous piece of it because we have a really good plant here but um i i have been a loud proponent of um ending the war on drugs and legalizing and regulating all drugs and i'm really worried about this discussion of fentanyl it's just now another way to go after people and put them in prison as opposed to legalize regulate so that people don't get laced lace product of anything uh, and so and then when it came to Glasshouse, um it, it's a bit of a longer story but i am a co-founder i'm the chairman ceo of the company um co-founded with uh with this gentleman right here graham and um just super proud be, to be part of it and honored to be here i'm a regular listener of your show and so uh to be here i'm like super super happy <laughs> brought my son and my son doesn't usually like to come to stuff but he <laughs> likes your show too and uh as a lover of the plant like he is he was just fired up to
1: and your personal on. joint roller and he <laughs> <rolls up. laughs> I know when my wife gave birth to him he could roll a heck of a
4: joint <laughs> he rolls a hell of a joint <laughs> he really does so. yeah
3: and so for the people that because uh, the, obviously they're going to get hung up on one thing right the law enforcement background
4: you know number one it, it, there there's a lot of people out there that just do not like police mm-hmm. and to those folks there there's not much I'm ever gonna be able to say. And I just respect the fact they don't like the police. Um, when I got into when I became a police officer, I really when my wife pinned my badge on me, I I thought I was going to go out there and sort of save people from harm and danger and, you know, help return their cars if it gets stolen, that kind of thing. Um, and I didn't realize that the war on drugs is pretty all consuming and and police departments build their budgets on it and things like that. And um, and so I I made a lot of drug arrests, primarily methamphetamine. Um, I people ask me how many marijuana arrests. I remember one, and it was a secondary charge to a methamphetamine arrest. Um, and so, when I started speaking out about the war on drugs, it really wasn't cannabis. It was mainly the you know the the I mean, we had we we had become the most jailing population on the planet per capita since 1971, when President Nixon declared the war on drugs. And that's not who, when people think of freedom and mm-hmm. we don't think that we jail more per capita than China, no, than China, China, North Korea, yeah. all these bad regimes, Iran, Saudi Arabia, um, but we do. And we spend so much money. We've spent more than $1 trillion on this. And so, and then when you, when you meet folks that are out there and the turning point for me was um, there was a, a gentleman that had a very bad meth addiction. And he and i he and he and I became he was pretty lonely, been kicked out, so we started talking, and one day he said, "Kyle, I'm ready, and I'm like, "What are you ready for, Mark?" And he said, "I'm ready for rehab and it and I know this sounds strange, but the light bulb went on. I don't have rehab, I have jail. I have this whole industrial complex mm. that I am supporting, and I can't help this individual, and that's why my wife pinned the badge on me. I'm here to help and so I apologized to him and just and it was about that point that I just my rest went way way down, and it was sort of the beginning of the end for me. That I just said, "This is, I, I'm going to go be a business person at this point." Mm-hmm. And uh, and then when I was I was asked several years later um, by the group uh, Leap uh, Leap CC, but it used to be called Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, and it's basically former police officers, um, former DEA, former judges, former district attorneys, AUSA's. And they were there to counter the government trying to scare you into the war on drugs. And so um, I've been speaking for them for about 15 years. So three times the time I was a police officer, I've been speaking out. And um, and it all of a sudden, this whole legalized cannabis came about, and it just thrust me onto CNN, Fox. And the thing that a lot of people probably don't know is you can imagine... There are a lot of people in law enforcement that do not appreciate my point of view yeah, and see me as a Benedict Arnold and a traitor to the mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's sometimes an interesting ju- juxtaposition when I know there's a lot of people in this industry that don't welcome me and don't like me. And then there's a lot of people in law enforcement that don't welcome me and don't like me anymore either. So I've sort of become a man without a country in some circles or a lot of circles, but I, I just focus in on using... The experience from law enforcement, the knowledge that I garnered there, to try and benefit and kind of pay penance for my service there. Um, and by the way, there were a lot of times where I did put my my life in danger to go help others from being beaten up or you know trying to help you know save a person's life who you know was potentially dying. So there was a lot of things that I'm really proud that I did. Um, but when it comes to the war on drugs. I think that's a it's a big time net negative and uh and so now i do everything i can to help end it help end the suffering and as luke said when it comes to the cannabis because you know i head a a large cannabis company it would be in my opinion immoral for me to not use every opportunity that i have with a microphone in front of me and graham and i we get these opportunities we always mention even on an earnings call where people are there to hear about the business and the this and the that. And then we stop and at the end and always say, look, there's 2,700 people right now that need our help. Let's not forget them. And so we, I, I have a different cross to bear than almost anybody else in cannabis. And, I, and I, that's how I deal with it. And you welcome it. I welcome it. And, and by the way, I'm completely straightforward about who I am and who mm-hmm. I've been and who, you know, and it's part of this journey
1: that, that I'm on, that, that we're all on. I think, I think it's also Im- important too, because he's got a voice that some people need to hear, right? Like there's a, you know, whether it's the Republicans or the conservatives or whatever, they, they hear from the guys that they think should be locked up. Right. And we want to get out. Oh, of course, criminal, whatever you hear from somebody who was in law enforcement has that like perspective. They, they, they get a. For certain, for certain years they need his voice. And I think there's this like, you know, kind of perception that he was up in camp and raiding farms or, right? like, you know, he's pushing a black and white through LA, right? Like this is not some anti-drug crusade. Maybe one, 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 poli- one r- arrest for, for cannabis? Well, look at the guy sitting next to him, right? Like, look at the work that we're doing. Like that, I, I think, you know, there's, there's, that, that balance is gonna be way on the other side by the time we're done, right? And so I think somebody, like I would say, We talked about this before because I'm not a I'm not a hate all cops guy, but certainly don't think people should be getting, you know, going to jail for a plant. The way I looked at it was he saw the war on drugs firsthand and then realized it was fucked up and then switched. Like if every cop did what Kyle did. Problem solved, right? I mean, this is what we want. You should encourage it, not you know, stain like some scarlet letter that never goes away. I mean, he he's taught special ed in South Central too, but like that's you know, if that's not an angel's job, then I don't know what is. But everybody just gets hung up on this one little thing, which really taught him the lesson that now he's leveraging to have more Luke's walking free on the street and you know, end this war on drugs and help plant, help the people. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we all agree that cannabis makes the world a better place and. So that's what we're trying to do. And if that's, you know, the path that you need to take to get there, then I'd, I'd say celebrate it, not, not, uh, not throw rocks at it. And I think too, like, it takes a lot of courage to be like
2: on a path and stop one day and realize like, hey, mm-hmm. look, this isn't the right path for me. You know what I mean? That takes a lot of courage because a lot of us will just sit there and say, okay, I'm just going to continue to go on this, whether I'm wrong or not, right? But when somebody stops and says, look, this isn't the right path for me and I'm going to switch, right? And I'm going to switch. We should welcome that. And then we should, you, you got to look at the record, right? So when mm-hmm. someone makes that switch, right? Glasshouse is doing the work to get people out of prison. Glasshouse is doing the social justice work, the criminal justice work. I'm here because partly because of what Glasshouse and Kyle and Graham advocated for. So that's the important thing, right? When you want to sit and throw rocks, right, you should just look into yourself. Put the mirror up, like you said, right, Black? put the mirror up and say, what are you doing to free the people that are still incarcerated for cannabis? What is your company doing? What is your, what are you personally doing in your side of the world? And I think that's the important part, man. You've got to really get behind the stuff that we can all agree on. Like Graham touched on before is that's what we need to really focus on. That's the mission. And that's what we should continue to do.
4: And the best part of the thing that I, that I'm most proud of right now is You know, I sat on the board of a cancer charity for about 15 years. And and my wife is a cancer survivor. I'm a cancer survivor. So we really try and get back there. But I left that charity to join with Weldon on Mission Green. I was honored when he asked me to join the board. And so he uses my voice where he thinks it's most strategic. I can't be in DC as often as he is. But I was just there because he said, could really use your help. And I'm like, so I left on Mother's Day. Wife wasn't loving that idea, but when she heard it was for (laughs) Weldon, She was like, you need to go, like go on Mother's Day. And, and, um, and so, um, to serve with Weldon and, and, and I'll say this about him. He got on a zoom, Charles Koch, who's about as conservative, conservative we have in America and Snoop Dogg. (laughs) If you can connect those two people, you are a LeBron of connecting human (laughs) beings. And so to sit with him and I just say, you know, Weldon, and we've gotten to become very good friends. You tell me where where I can help you, and I'm there any day you need me to do it. I'll cancel what I got to cancel. Even the stuff at home. It's not always the easiest, but um, he's putting in the work. And I first heard about Luke from Weldon and and so um, and so the fact that we had honored to bring back our Californian. And, and he was kind enough to join us as our glasshouse family. We're just super excited. And he amplifies everything that we try and say in a much better way. <laughs> I mean, it, he, uh, sadly, he gave up 15 years of his life, but he's using that now to a massive positive.
2: Shout out to yeah. Weldon Angelos and Uncle
4: Snoop. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And Charles Coke for also joining the mission. Yep, the
3: yes. more the
1: better. Yeah, yep. yep. we need all the voices. We, we need that side
3: yeah absolutely. and it's it's good to have these conversations. A lot of people don't even want conversations to happen, right? because of difference oh you're you're from the blue side and he's from the red side or you're from this side and he's from that side, these are the conversations that we have to have. And the tough conversations are worth having. That's why they're tough. Mm-hmm. And without that, there's no middle ground or there's nothing to even speak on. And then all it is is emotion, which never gets anywhere. So I, I, this is the reason we wanted to sit down and do this. It was cause I was like, man, this is a tough combo because of the side, obviously where, and then what we've heard, so let's have this conversation and now everyone's more enlightened for it yeah and we Whether, pretty, whatever pretty side sure. yeah. you end up on
1: yeah i mean even if you don't change your mind like people get stuck in this like they want a narrative like they don't want to know the truth they just want to have their story and keep driving down it and you don't have to change your mind but you should at least have the facts right and i really appreciate you guys for having it so we can have it i mean again yeah i don't like who we really are that's fine but at least know who we really are and what we're doing and the things that are important to us and make your decision from that not a you know some some meme page on, on instagram yeah yeah it's doing nothing
0: big waste of time and energy yeah. That's sort of, not where the conversations that are actually move things are happening. It's nothing you can take serious yeah. if you're an adult. And yeah. I know you want to hear about this guy. because yeah, he's most definitely. The, the one
4: thing that I'd like as introducing him, because he never will say this, he's like, he is one of the most genteel, wonderfully good people that you'll ever meet. Um, I say this as, a, as a, a very close friend and partner of his, but he was a grower before Prop 215. And I said, why don't you, you know, hey, you're a legacy grower. Your team are legacy growers. And he's like, because I didn't drive my, I was a tech guy. I did this because I love the plant. I love to grow. I was a gentleman farmer, not a real grower because I didn't live on that. And I said, you know, I said, you know law enforcement doesn't care where you drive it. You're outside the bounds you would have served just as much time as anybody else and you love the plant as much as any of the legacy growers that i know and so it feels like because he's so humble and that's one of his most endearing qualities it's not accurate and so he is a legacy grower and that's part of the reason why i really wanted to partner with him because i don't have that background he does
0: Love the plant. What can I say? <laughs> That's what it's about. Especially yeah. when you guys are doing the size you're doing. Talk, you gotta talk love about, it. Um, talk about the text. The text stuff you've done and. Just your entrepreneurial journey, yeah. So, um, like where you come from and all that. So,
1: uh, Santa, Santa Barbara is my my hometown, which is where we started uh, Glass House. Uh, went to Santa Barbara high. I was, you know, s- selling shitty weed from uh, San Diego um, uh, up there, so that I could uh, smoke better weed. So, I've been, you know, doing doing weed. So, Luke got me beat by a few years at twelve. I think I was probably fourteen <laughs> or fifteen, but. Um, Uh, you know, I, and I just, it's where I kind of had my first experience of, you know, that was back in the days of dare, right. Where they would tell you drugs are bad. Good people don't smoke weed. Like it'll make you this. And right. The reality is it's basically the opposite of everything they said. Right. I mean, you can read the studies now, people who smoke weed exercise more, they got better body mass and they sleep better. They're nicer. Right. It's like, weed kind of, you know, made me the better, a better version of myself. And, uh, and I got to see it with my friends and I realized, you know, like, the alcohol is the danger, right? It's not I mean, the worst thing to be hooked on. No, it's, like it's I mean, probably it's probably the best thing. Is if we're talking vices, it's, it's medicine so good people you know? take it just for the side effects, right? It's like mm-hmm. it, it is, it makes people better and i saw that across my friends I'm a, I'm a kind of a tech i'm a geek basically um and so my first grow was in Col- colorado probably 96 so before they legalized out there and i mean we're talking like you know the closet right but i set it up all techie style mylar co2 dosing ebb and flood system with my cinder blocks and my timers and my exhaust fans you know so i had uh, molecular biology and biochemistry is what i studied so i'm, I'm a geeky kind of guy uh and so i really enjoy the process of the plant and understanding precision agriculture, which I didn't know that was the name for what we do now, which is really trying to serve the plant as best we can, as efficiently as possible. Um, And then from there and back to Santa Barbara, you know i grew in rooms i grew in garages i grew in houses i had a couple house grows going on uh santa barbara actually was, had a had a heyday there we had like 14 dispensaries in santa barbara It was you know like more more dispensaries than starbucks right and i mean nothing compared to what the guys up in the triangle are doing but for, you know like all the romulan the gar the train wreck like <laughs> i was the guy you know feeding a good portion of those dispensaries just out of you know our houses and, and i was all hydro indoor at the time and it just i i loved the the uh, application of the technology and the biology, and then to create some a product that I love so much and truly believe makes the world you know a better place. And the more people smoke weed, the better we w- will be. And so I just kind of kept doing that. So I was doing tech with uh, my main job. Uh, software.com was one of the early companies. Basically it was a uh, back in the dot-com days, we made uh, email servers uh, for like all the telephone companies and took that public. So I got pretty, pretty lucky with, uh, with that um, and bought a sailboat Spent two years uh, sailing from Santa Barbara down to New Zealand with my girlfriend, who's now my wife. Had a blast doing that, uh, and then came back. And um, my same buddies that started software.com I came back to get married and didn't want to have to pick out like uh, centerpiece arrangements or whatever. Asked them what they were doing, and they had an idea for the iPod for the house, which became Sonos, if you know the the home audio system. So I was one of the original guys over there. What was um, that like? It's so much. Fun. I mean. I the, mean, that's the, huge. Sonos is like,
0: Sonos sound it, it systems it, it, for anyone listening. Yeah, they're dope.
1: Uh, you, 50,
0: you've seen it. You know of it. Your friends probably
1: have it. Yeah. Boutique
0: um, sounds. B- yeah, it's
1: really, I mean, 15 years later, it's still, in my opinion, the best product in the category, which is hard. Like, Google came after us. Apple came after us. No one could beat it. It is still the best best out there. And You're not I mean, biased though, right? Yeah, not at all. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, but seriously,
0: you know, it's top end. It, it is edge. the shit, yeah. It's top uh, end.
1: Yeah. And I mean, if, if my tombstone is, you know, he was a good husband, a good father. He brought weed and music to the world. I'm I'm dying a happy happy guy. So so far so good. Two of my biggest wow. vices. Yeah, right? <laughs> they go very well
2: together. Yeah, Grandma and I used to talk like when I first came on with Glasshouse. We were talking about like some of those old school strands, right? Like the Romulan, the train wreck, the you know, the, the G13s, G-13, and all those yeah. like old school strands. Like if you. When you can vibe and talk with somebody about that, you know, you're hollering at one of the OGs. (laughs) As
3: soon as the chips from to Dutch genetics, that's when you're like, oh, this dude's an OG. because like the original stuff was guys that had to flee, though. Cali, New Mm -hmm. York, like, you know, Soma. There's so many. I mean, on and on DNA genetics. And then they relocated to Amsterdam. You know, great
1: guys. Yeah. Yeah. I got uh, one strain. um, So. All right. Our my head grower at Glasshouse is actually we grew since high school together we're you know twenty five more than that I guess now thirty year friends and been growing together uh for a long time. The general manager of our dispensary in santa barbara is a girl named Leia she's been my best friend since we were fourteen years old, so like there's a lot of a lot of family uh in Glasshouse we call it the family. Which is, uh, you know, there's just a lot of people who love the plant come together. They're really good at stuff, and Jason and I have been growing a Super Silver Haze for like must be 25 I something love that years. Strand. Yeah, I so yeah, I'm a sativa wild. guy, so I dig it. But I still remember that high times with the, you know, can, uh, cannabis cup and the little chalice on yeah. there back when they used to do that in Amsterdam and stuff like that. It's just, I mean, this industry is great. There's so much history and culture in here, and
4: and one, really one awesome of the people. one of the one of the nods I have to I have to give is. We were so honored to have, to have won some Emerald cup awards and that just, it's all about that team that just, when we say they love the plant, they love the plant. And so, you know, we, we really respect the Emerald cup and what, what they stand for and what they do. So when, when that happened, everyone was like, what are you gonna do with these trophies? And we're like, we got to just send them around the company Yeah, because that's how big it was to us. Yeah. And so it went to stores. It went, I mean, it, it just
1: they went everywhere. Did the roads yeah, up trip, north
2: you know? up north the Emerald Cup is the cup. You know, what I mean I'm from Northern California. So when you win the Emerald Cup, that's that's a big deal. Shout out to Tim Blake and Taylor Blake.
3: Yeah. Awesome. I mean that is
1: awesome. that awesome. is the they one, do. right? Yeah, yeah we were really...
2: Like that's the one like where the growers respect it. You know what I'm saying? The growers the respect when yeah, mm-hmm. the, the oh, growers so. and the comrades that have been in it from the beginning. We respect the Emerald Cup. Yeah, yeah, I think
1: we uh, four awards la- last year. So but the team is really, really stoked on that, um, and they are. They're literally like the growers and guide them up uh, their awards and their and and the, the, at the farm and stuff like that. And I think it, it does. It brings a lot of pride to know that what they're doing is being received on the other side. Like there's a lot of blood sweat and tears Glasshouse. how do you yeah how do you
3: assemble a team like that because that's you're talking six million square feet right now roughly so
1: um so i was gonna ask how did you guys get together to start there so um i can tell so i found one of the nicest greenhouses i I think which is our first farm up in uh in santa barbara kyle being a a real estate guy um obviously there's no mortgages and or loans in that and also a against the drug war guy. So he was doing time uh, in the space, right? So actually back up one sec, you know, he was part of leap for how long, how long ago? 15 years. 15 years. So law enforcement against prohibition, which I think is one of the really powerful voices out there because it's not what people expect. So 15 years ago, he was on that track long before he had anything to do in the business side of it. Because of his advocacy, people started searching him out and asking if he could help with their business in cannabis. And so uh, we originally connected over a greenhouse in Santa Barbara. Long story, I'll leave out some stuff, but basically... You, you know it's a four four million dollar greenhouse or something like that right you can't go get that mortgage and so kyle's an expert at raising money in really tough environments which cannabis i think is the hardest out there and so he was able to syndicate that group together to buy it become the landlord for glasshouse made the you know kind of believed in, in me and made the first uh initial investment which is how we started our first farm was one hundred fifty thousand square feet so you know, at the time we thought it was the biggest thing in the world. Now it's, you know, not, not quite so much, but at the time it was, this is was eight years ago. It's a different environment. We liked how that was going. We bought a second farm also in Santa Barbara that brought us to a half a million square feet total. And we made it, we fucked up a lot. I mean, we made a lot of mistakes, but the mistakes, I don't know what, I don't know everything to do, but I've learned a lot of things not to do. Right. And that's, I think, really important for what we're doing. Right. You saw what happened in Canada. Everybody fell on their face because they dove into millions of square feet. They had no idea how to grow weed. I mean, you know, one of the companies there, they planted 40 acres of weed and didn't realize that in eight weeks, they were going to need 500 people to harvest it. Stuff literally rotted in the greenhouse, right? And so we we got big by starting small, basically. And uh, Kyle and I have enjoyed working together for a long time. Then we did the pharmacy, which was the uh, first ever adult use dispensary in Santa Barbara. Kind of good to be able to, the a Santa Barbara boy to have that in the record books as, you know, first ever. Uh, dispensary up there. And then we started putting the pieces together. We went public. Um, the reason to do that was really because of this farm. So that farm uh, is a unicorn. It's an amazing facility and an amazing location. Um, you know, people focus on the size first. I actually think that's the third most important thing because you don't need more shitty weed and you don't need more weed that's too expensive, right? So when you have good weed at a good price, that's when the size gets important because then you can scale it up. And eventually we're big advocates for interstate commerce and believe that's where the world's going. Right now we've got um, a million square feet down there of, of canopy in, in total with our ecosystem. There's another 4 million square feet that are still growing tomatoes and cucumbers. So you know if you think about that, like people really freaked out about the size of it. If you look at it, it's like less than 2% of the cultivation licenses in the state, right? I mean, it's about 20 acres of canopy, not small, but it's not like, you know, there's 80 million square feet licensed in California, right? We've got a million of that, right? So it's it's not that big a number when you put it in context, but eventually we do think the walls come down and we'll just kick out the, the cucumbers and tomatoes as whenever the time is right and expand and keep growing because- we'd like to you know have the best weed that you could get across the country.
0: What what do you say to guys that um,
1: say you guys are driving the price of cannabis down? I'd say if they think our we're selling weed cheaper, they should come buy it and sell it for whatever it's worth. Take my money. But it's it's like we're we're in, we're in business. We don't need to drive, drive price down. That just to me that sounds like leaving money on the table. So Yeah,
0: cuz you said like the percentage of canopy and licensing that you actually are. I think people think
1: that number's way quite big. a lot yeah. bigger yeah. it's 80
3: long. million
0: and you said you're
3: 1 million yeah, basically. of the 80 yeah. million
1: yeah. so mm-hmm. i mean you know there's grows in lake county they're six times bigger than us right but it's and just that's like, license cultivation that's license yeah of course yeah, so, right yeah, yeah. then there's the other two-thirds of the market out there so if you look at what's actually happened on pricing we sold our first hmm. pound out of the new farm last july prices are double what they were then right so i maybe we fixed pricing i don't know right yeah. but it's certainly not the other way they anybody who thinks that the market could be 98% the same, i.e. our 2% not there, and it would all work great. Doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. And, and a it, lot of a it, lot of people that are tapped in with the culture, too, like the price
2: drop primarily was on indoor. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Let, I mean, let's keep it 100. It was the indoor that really hit rock bottom and was hurting people the most. And uh, Glasshouse doesn't grow indoor. So, I mean, you know, I, I know it's easy to like hate. Amazon, when you want it, when you're a, a bookstore, right? You know, what I mean, it's the natural progression of the of the whole system. But at the same time, like, listen, Glasshouse has their niche. There's a niche for everybody in this market. There's enough food and there's enough on the table for everybody to eat, and that's what we need to focus on. If we come, if we stop the infighting and we come together, like, there's enough in this game for everybody, and that's what we really got to say. You yeah. believe the pie is big enough for? Everyone. Oh yeah, the pie is more than big, especially like like they alluded to. Once those Walls drop and we get interstate commerce and federal legalization. I mean, if I have a small grow up in Mendo, right? Say, I can make a couple million dollars off my little indoor grow when I'm sending them out of state. You know, a lot of times people want California weed, right? That's everywhere. Like you go around anywhere around the country, like people are like, yo, where's that Cali shit at? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's hard when the market is closed right now, right? It's like, having like 10 people that you can sell weed to when you have, you know, a hundred lights, it's. And then once you open that up and you have 10,000 people that you can sell
1: weed to now you're, everybody's doing good. But so, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we're waiting and, on. You know, it's like, it's like going back to how, I think we all agree on a lot more than we disagree on right like we're big supporters of home grow we're big supporters of the farmers market for the craft farmers we're big supporters of direct to consumer big supporters of uh interstate commerce arguing up there to get the taxes lowered and the regulations loose and it's like we you know we'd take a free market if we could have it i think licensing is all bullshit and maybe you should just treat this thing like tomatoes and let the market sort it out people will buy the weed that they want to buy yeah. i love that right yeah. and that's i like that's that real talk. And, and pay regular business taxes yeah like, how about that <laughs> like, let's just be right oh, they've, yeah.
0: they've turned us to where that sounds crazy right when yeah, you hear right.
1: that you're like
3: what? wow that yeah. would be nuts Amazing, huh? right be it's tough. like that it seems that big of a thing like wow that would be
0: wild if they did that but it's like we're
3: Even accustomed to such of like suppression
1: alcohol.
0: yeah i mean that, that consumption and all yeah because that's another thing that they're they're selling it all in all these states now and then it's like well you can't do this can't do that can't do this can't do this can't do that but you can buy it yeah, and it's like, what the hell? Like, yeah. you're you're right on point. And what
4: I would tell you is, we, as somebody who spends a lot of time in those rooms with the different politicians, you know, I I will tell you, big alcohol is united against us. Oof. big pharma united mm-hmm. against us. And I can go and give you a couple other other industries. We have we are not no united. Allies. And and so it's a little bit you know, we're, we're always playing with one hand tied behind our back because of that. So, and you know, we talk about safe banking cause that's one of the things that's out there. As you can imagine, we're banked. I'm pushing it because there's a lot of people that are watching the show that would really do much better if they could just simply bank. And so that's, it's for them, you know, same thing with the DTC and those kind of things. Not all of the bigger players are in favor of the home grow. We think that's insane because all you do is get people locked up for growing a plant. That's that is not even though you, one might argue it's not in our best interest, our best interest is freedom here. And they're so, wrong
3: too though. They don't get that having that guy with his 2-3 plants, he's loving it now. He's yeah. even more interested to try consuming other products. More, he's consuming more, more, creating more. <laughs> It's and like the saying the guy who has a small too. brewery stop yeah. drinking beer from yeah. any other brewery. Yeah, he, if anything, he appreciates it even more. It's moving the culture forward. Yeah, right? it, it's, it's the wrong
4: like, thought process.
1: Taking, Light is not 100%, suffering from the home I love right. it. Yeah, my exactly. brother,
4: I have my younger brother has a little brewery that he does. Of course, he buys beer from everybody else because yeah. now you're right. He's bought in and he loves the intricacy of it, and he's a fan of the industry. so, yeah,
1: I think everybody should grow their own weed at least once. Either you're gonna. You're going to build appreciation for it whether that's because you want to keep growing it or because you realize how much blood and and sweat is in one of these jars like people you know they they call it a weed like it just grows if you want to grow quality consistently it is not easy at all and i think more people who grow their own weed will appreciate that and just how special the plant is and how hard hard the growers work to make it happen
2: and as growers here like all of us like we can all remember the first time we grew right like that was like a special mm-hmm, thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'll never forget that. Like my first plants was like, I'm like, man, I still think about it right mm-hmm. now. I grew a Northern Lights and all I thought nice. that was the dopest ever, right? Yeah. So like, yeah, if you get involved in it on that level, it just makes you appreciate it. And then the people around you too, like it's, it has like a ripple effect. Now my friends are like, oh shit, he's growing some weed over there, mm-hmm. man. And now they all want to grow some weed. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lovely thing. And the plant brings people together like that
3: first time growing it's a lot like the first time smoking weed yeah yeah you remember it vividly right yeah. it's like i remember both very vividly like oh wow this isn't what i was told like mm-hmm. this is yeah this is this yeah yeah
1: this is what everyone says
3: oh, right. so we so were having question, a great first time.
1: time you smoked did you get high i did yeah I, I I think I I, I didn't I, I didn't either. I yeah, didn't. I'm on, I'm
2: I didn't. until my second time, yeah. and then the second time I got so high so I high. was scared. Yeah. <laughs> that was the same. I, for I, me. The first time I smoked was like I shouldn't probably even say this. kids do not smoke, but yeah. um, I, I was twelve and I smoked right before school, like waiting for the bus. And I didn't really get high. So I went to school and I was like, okay, that kind of sucked. Like that wasn't what yeah, it was all the, the hype deal? was about. Mm-hmm. And then later on that night, my boy rolled up something. He goes, now nah, you you're going to, you're going to get high off this. So, and I smoked that. Man, I got blitzed. I was so lit and, and yeah, I'll never forget it. And then from there, it was like, I love weed and I still love weed. And now I'll smoke weed to the day I die. Once I get off federal probation, (laughs)
4: yeah, (laughs) parole officer. Yeah, what? uh, First person to have an empty tray. Yeah, I
1: know. On your show, right? I'm feeling guilty for for the reasoning behind it. Everyone everyone understands. I don't
3: think.
1: Yeah, you won't be the first. Surprise. The audience watches closely. Um, I mean, i I got I got two kids. I got a 16 year old, 17 year old daughter, and a 13 year old son. And the things I worry about for them are, you know, DUIs, you know, sexual assault, fights. Like, you've never heard someone say, Oh, he's a mean stoner. That term doesn't exist, right? I mean, we smoke weed, like, you are generally a better person. And, like, that's the world that I, I want my kids to grow up in and feel like that's normal. Cause we, we build altars to alcohol, right? I mean, what's a, what's a bar? It's a fucking altar to alcohol, which is legitimately a poison, kills 150,000 people a year. And yet <laughs> we act like it's no big deal. And, like, this is the problem. Like, this is so not the problem. This is the cure. It is the solution. And, and, that's what we want to see happen. Well, well, my son, Keone, who
4: I will tell you, I've watched him. I mean, he he is really kind of a taste master of all the different strains. Rolled me this, um, sitting over there. And what I would tell you is I watched him during the pandemic, came home. He's doing college at home, smoking from the beginning to the end of the day. And his grades only got better. He got straight A's. And I'm like... So my wife and I are talking about it. I'm like, look, it's a magical plant. We believe in it. And if it's helping our son and it makes his life better, that's why we're in this. And so, you know, even in my, you know, my own home, it's a it's a big deal. And I just saw how good it, it actually made him more calm, made him a better student. And so, and I know that you've guys talked to countless people, but um, I'm just thrilled for him. And the fact that, you know, he wanted to come up here just to see this show live. Like he's all fired up. That's cool that you guys actually watch a show too.
0: And I know you do because
3: you were referencing specific episodes and specific points and I brought
4: something in because of one of your other episodes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's pretty cool. Do you, do you think we will see federal legalization in the near future?
4: There's what I hope and what I think. I'll I'll tell you, I hope yes. Um, I think it's going to be incremental. Um, I think if we work together, it'll happen a little faster. Mm. If federal the will of the people is there. Um, Definitely. And, and I do think we're going to get some incremental this year. I've said yes to safe a couple of times. So I, want to be, I don't want to be the boy who cried safe again. So I'm, not, I'm cautiously optimistic. And I'm in the room where it's happening. So I'm watching it. Um, I think it's more likely before we get federal legalization that some of the states are going to continue leading on this. And you're going to see California. You're going to see potentially New Jersey. You see Oregon, you see Washington start doing these interstate commerce packs. And the more we can amplify that that's happening, that we're crossing a state line with it. I think the more ridiculous it is for the feds to not move, um, the better it is for us. Um, I know eventually interstate commerce happens. I mean, it's, that will happen. And, and I don't mean to highlight a different show, but there was something that if you go to of Plants. Nelson was good enough to Graham was like logged in. He noticed it was Graham, and they had a conversation. And Graham did some math for the small growers of what interstate commerce looks like and how Nelson is actually netting over a million dollars a year with his grow. And I thought that was a really important conversation. The math, you know, I, I do a lot of the math, and I when I listed, I said, "Yeah, that's the future. That's where all the growers in California." All of a sudden, then we'd be united overnight. How do we help each other? And I hope we can actually get there before that happens, so we can make that day happen faster.
1: Hmm. Yeah, okay. I think, um, you know, if you look at legalization, 100% of it's been led by the states. Right, the federal government hasn't done anything at all. Right, so California kicked down the door. Well, they've done stuff. But <laughs> it has yeah. yeah. been positive. Yeah, well, you know, they're still picking and choosing what cases they exactly want to take. Right? That's, and that's that's the hard that's, conversations. Right. Yeah. So, like, if you look, California, twenty six years ago with Prop two fifteen, kind of kicked down the first door. Uh, then Washington and Oregon, twelve years later, did adult use and kicked down the second door. All led by the states. So I think what we're going to see is we're going to see the states continue to lead. The third door is going to be interstate commerce. California has a, has a law in the books right now. We should have an opinion back from Rob Bonta, who's the attorney general, basically in you know, the next month or so. They wrote an eight-page memo. Rob Ali is the guy, the head, of the, the head lawyer at the DCC. He wasn't writing it for Rob Bonta. We already know Bonta's a supporter. He was writing it for the federal government to give them eight pages of why they should keep their hands out of our fucking business, just like they have, right? Which is the consistency for them would be as long as it's compliant with state, states, plural, law, would be to, to not do anything. So I think California's got a law, Oregon's got a law, Washington's got a law. New Jersey's working on one. Washington D.C. is a really interesting story. They're working on one too. I think it's uh, Pennsylvania. Their initial legalization bill already, co- from the from day one, contemplated importing cannabis from other states.
3: How crazy is it that we're about? We're talking legalization. You're talking in D.C. and we still can't have the conversation. That's it's like what yeah, the crazy. Fuck is going yeah. on.
1: We're gonna we're gonna get there though. I mean, is it money? Is that the
3: reason why we haven't done it yet? Is it the lobbies from? alcohol from pharma from that to hang on a little bit longer is follow that the
2: money follow the money if you want to know oh, the answer. always right?
0: it's the Uh-oh. motive for illegal than illegal there's no incentive for them to do it's anything, the lady of you know? justice the uh the scale we got
2: yeah. like a bunch of important people that like you know cannabis is their bread and butter right so they get to dress up and put on suits and put people in prison and make money off that yeah. and you know make laws and pass laws and have committees and all these other things that happen I think like, I, I agree with Kyle in the sense that I think that it's going to be a little bit incremental. I think safe, the banking thing is an easy pill for a lot of the people on the hill to swallow right now because we're hey, like, Hey, let's let, let banks make money. I'm cool with that. I support that. I think we need to tie in making sure people get out of prison with that. Like, cause I have a real conflict with like, okay, let's let bankers bank money and invest. But while we still
3: have people in prison for the same thing. Mm-hmm that kind of doesn't jive. Or with are me. you going to pursue those people? Right? So we say, yeah, yeah, you can put your money in banks. And then as soon as we do that, they're yeah. like, seize that.
2: Knock, knock, knock. This
3: is the next people that we're going to build a federal case on because you're Sorry. put. and it's like, no. And then what, then we can't talk about our safe banking act in California no. exactly. because it's a federal, federal. case again. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the scary part. It's the same thing. What you said about now we're going to have interstate commerce. The first thing that comes to my mind is the first person coming through that door, they're going to grab somebody mm-hmm. and be like, oh yeah, you were shipping stuff between state. And you're like, no, but for, we're in California and Oregon. We're, yeah, we're like, like, yeah, yeah we're, you're not going to talk on that. We're going right. to talk about yeah. you. Yeah. Somebody's going to catch a case off that. Mm-hmm. But, and that's the way it's been through cannabis's whole career, right? It takes guys like on this bookshelf. Right? Yep. Yep. Doing the years. It takes guys like you, right? Getting busted before we'll have these tough conversations. Yeah. And before we come to, this is silly. What are we doing? And and then even then it's a hard
0: push for our own fucking people.
2: Yeah. Unfortunately it takes blood to nourish the seeds of change. Right. And I think that happens a lot in, in a lot of different ways. And it happened with us in 2004 to be able to push the dispensary system and the industry to where it is now. And I think you're right. I think even when interstate commerce comes, I think there's going to be some more blood on the sword and, I hope it's not long and I hope it's not, you know, as harsh as it was for, for some of us that did all the time in prison. But, you know, we need to push the needle forward and we need to come together and to move it at the federal level takes everyone. Like the feds do not move easily, right? Mm-hmm. They, they're only going to move when all of the states or all of the people in the entire industry come together and say, hey, look, this is what we need to do.
4: Yeah. And, and by the way, let me point out, Luke is on federal probation right now and he's speaking truth to power you're talking about a man of courage
0: yeah that, that know was a lot an, an man, entrepreneur early i got a lot of respect for when, you bro i mean
4: he's respect here and and i'm not trying to throw sh- we don't throw shade on people but i wish brittany griner who is not on federal probation would say something would would use her platform yeah, which is bigger shit. than
0: which I mean, is bigger than all brittany of our. Brittany griner combined. you better hit us up man yeah. for real <laughs> we we'd love hear, to get this from you. on
4: this show yeah I'd provide the vape pen. And buy the vape. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, this is a man of courage. Mm-hmm. Because he's speaking truth to power while he is still technically in prison with the walls, you know, basically pulled back. And so um, that should not be lost on, on that. And so as his, his teammate, um, I can tell you, we do everything by the book because we would not do anything to risk having having luke putting him in harm's way with his freedom he has paid more than any than almost anybody in this industry
1: yeah and i gotta so, keep going on the luke thing too the fact that he had what happened to him happen and he comes out here without the resentment and just wanting is it blows me away every day like how, no how he keeps it positive and forward and like I would be so mad if I if I'd <laughs> sat in his shoes and he's flipped the whole thing around to be a force for good. And it's just, I, I don't know. It's, it amazes me every day. I'm pr- proud to work next to him. And,
4: and as chill as he seems is how I've only known him. And, and I, I mean, I, I love this human being right here. And, um, and I say with Grant, I mean, I'm more bitter about tiny slights compared to what <laughs> he had 15 years. years taken away. His daughter was five. Yeah. And, and comes out, she's 20
2: what was the hardest part fuck by far the hardest part was being away from jasmine my daughter jasmine you know she was five years old when when i went to trial and was found guilty um had to just grow up by herself really in a single parent home child of mixed race dealing with all those different issues that you know just regular kids grow up with and then having your dad in prison for that whole time you know By the time i got out she was 20 years old she you know she lived her whole life and you know the brilliant and resilient woman that she is today is a testament to just how how strong she is you know and and she's such she was my number one advocate the whole time like i'd be in there like just having some really bad days you know i mean and i would think about her and how much she needed me and that would be like my inspiration just going forward man so you know, shout out to Jasmine. I love
4: you, baby. Hope you're watching. I know you are. So you know what I mean. <laughs> and and by the way, this is Memorial Day weekend.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Luke doesn't live in Los Angeles. He took his time to come down here to be here because he knew your platform and how you guys allow people to speak so he could share and, and help get that word out. So we thank you guys, but more yeah, importantly, sure. he's willing to sacrifice more time away from his his folks. And so it's it's pretty amazing. And um He's everything that you see. He's ten times more. This is just kind of. There's a lot more of the iceberg Truth. under the under the water. Well, and people just to put it in perspective for everyone listening, right? Fifteen
3: years of your life taken away, where you're in a state that it's actually legal to do this business. It's a normal thing. They've Come been out. doing there's it since ninety six. Every block, there's a dispensary yeah. on every block. Your daughter
0: block. was watching dispensaries pop up everywhere, oh, yeah. everywhere, yeah. You know, and it's people it. It. Well, he Everyone's for smoking it?
2: weed. Yep. Yeah, and, she used and, to say and, that and she used to be yeah. like, oh, we're
0: walking by a dispensary, Dad. Like, why are you still in prison? Do you do you, let me ask you this. It's a known thing. You don't go to trial with the feds. Yeah. What is it like 98% conviction? Yeah, 98%. A high, a high You're going into that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes. do you think your sentence would have been way less if you didn't go to trial and you would have settled oh, it? They offered us 10 years. They offered us 10 years as a plea bargain, but inside just, of that. It's just 10 another years, testament to the courage of like mm-hmm you fighting for what you felt was right exactly in your heart exactly and you went up again i mean that's a david and goliath fight yep. for even a man of with with money and means yeah mm-hmm. so it's and now with no your joke.
3: hand tied behind your back hey by the way you can't say you're Calvary, the Calvary, so don't medical. say that you were medical and that you were actually Nothing. patients you can't mention any of that and we get to paint you how we want to paint you so good luck mm-hmm, yeah, oh man yeah. and then do you like yeah we'll take <sighs>
2: Yeah, it was it was the inside of the plea bargain. They wanted us to admit that we were what we were doing was wrong and that we were harming the community. And we wouldn't do that because it just wasn't right. It wasn't it wasn't the truth. And we said, listen, we're going to take this thing to trial. I hope and pray that we win. But you're right. It was an uphill battle. Um, but we wanted to put this on the map as like we're fighting for what's right. We're fighting. And I think like, you know posterity will prove who was on the right side of the law That's and
1: who was sure. on the right side of that back then. So, you know, you know, we, it made, we, made me smile. We just opened a natural healing centers dispensary in Turlock, which is about, you know, 15 minutes away from Modesto, which is where Luke's, uh, Luke's, Luke's dispensary was. So to have him at the grand opening for something that you can be proud of, yeah. kind of, you know, it feels like it, it fixed that
2: circle at least a little bit. It was definitely a full circle moment. You know what I mean? I'm having all these people that were like. You know coming from when my dispensary was open coming to this new one they're like damn man it's so good to see you out man it's so good to see you still involved in doing your thing and yeah it was it was definitely a, a emotional moment
3: have you taken the instagram pic yet where you go back on the property and give them a no, <laughs> oh man that'd no, be the first i'll be no, right in front out. of that shop with yeah. <laughs> no ideas, man. i know 115 yeah. days like yeah. yeah yeah uh do you think they'll deschedule or reschedule cannabis before it federally legalizes? Or do you think it'll be just one? A buddy of mine said, think about it in presidencies, not in years. Because we used to say, oh, five or 10 years. He was like, think about it in presidencies, and you might have a more realistic view of when it would federally legalize. Do you think there's merit to that? So so
4: um, what President Biden has done is he has shifted it to Secretary Becerra. So what people may not realize is secretary becerra
1: is from california and actually lives in los angeles he was the attorney general he's the actually AG. the guy yeah, he was whose the AG. signature legalized weed in california he was the one who signed it oh. he has a different job now with different bosses but we know
4: where is we know where his history is um and it, you know while i would like it to be descheduled while uh, Weldon, Mission Green, we make it crystal clear that if you just drop it to a schedule three or four, you're still going to send people to, to jail for this plant. So we really would like to stop that from happening. Um, but if if you said to me, where do I think the puck is going? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it gets rescheduled before it gets descheduled. Yes. Okay. That That would be if I had to put my money down, that's where I would put it. It's not what I want, but I would take that over where it is today. And if we Still have to go progress. incremental, yeah. um, and, and like Luke said, I agree that we need to make sure we're getting people out of prison. There needs to be, if, if you're going to pass some incremental le- legislation and they said, well, Joe Biden is now going to release 2,700 prisoners. I'd say, okay, let's take the win.
0: Mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm. Um, but I want to be careful because you asked a very good question about the money that's out there. And, and Luke said, follow the money. Big Pharma has four lobbyists for every senator and congressperson. So 535 people times four are paid on K Street to go out there and lobby for Big Pharma. I mean, just watch TV and see yeah. all those commercials. That's Their real- check comes with a pharmaceutical company's name on it. Yeah. 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah. and, and tell me how the Sackler family, who, and now I said I, said I wouldn't to speak negative about <laughs> It's not our way. Purdue, Purdue yeah. pharmaceutical. Okay. I mean, how many people died from that nonsense? Um, and what happens
1: they, instead died, of them, all the opiates and shit. Yeah. yeah.
0: We come from Florida. That's what? Yeah, right? oh, yeah, yeah. I have a Fucking best friend whose name's real, on the
3: wall. When what? I go back to see my grandparents, his name's next to theirs. And I went to high school. He's one of my best friends. And it was, it's all based off
1: Same that. thing. Yeah.
0: Best friend dead. Yeah.
1: And, Le- and, and legal drugs yeah. kill more people than illegal drugs. For period, sure. Point
4: blank. And yeah. the FDA, took something that was sort of an end of life pain medication and through studies uh, that were funded by the Sacklers said no no no, it's not addictive you can use it so you got a much bigger market share I mean <clears throat> it was so follow the money uh, and then when all of a sudden people woke up and states start suing Purdue they took it bankrupt and I'm thinking okay justice will happen these folks need to pay for all the dead all the blood yeah. on their hands what happens They spent billions to keep
0: (laughs) billions. And And so I I think what woke up the people originally was all these politicians and lawmakers. Their grandchildren and children started to die hits hits home.
1: Yeah. Because they all
0: got hooked. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and then it's like, oh shit! And then they got the checks bigger, and they were like, whoa, they should have never been.
1: dealing
0: do you want those things in the first place? And the that's, chickens coming the, home to roost. That's right. the yeah. bloodthirsty world we're living in in America, at least. And so was,
1: nobody went to prison for that. So too, think about right? that. No, the, so. the Sackler yeah. family twenty
0: billion, gave six
4: back, and called it a day. Sackler family billionaires, generations billionaires. Jose Valero Jr. sitting in prison today for seven pounds of cannabis. Okay, follow the money.
0: Crazy free jose valero
3: that's sad free to jose think Balero. of
0: that's a what so whew. and so what you're saying is basically big alcohol big pharma big tobacco not only do they have like four to one for every congressperson but they're unified against cannabis
4: right now i would tell you that they are unified against. Cannabis. They like
1: work together against it. If they they're, were for it to be legal today, yeah, tomorrow, they're, they're, profe- Ooh, they're yeah. professionals at managing the halls of power, right? I mean, there's a lot of embedded interests that you can see when cannabis legalizes in states. Medicare alcohol sales go down. Alcohol sales, pharma, cigarette sales, everything. It, Medicare Schedule D, which is a me- measure of the prescription drugs out there, goes down by like twenty percent, right? Like this is medicine. They can't sell this, which means it's a threat. Right, so I think you start to see when you start to see those guys move into cannabis, that's when you're going to see things start to change you need, You need something to counterbalance there you know it's going to be alcohol or tobacco or something like that. right now it's only a risk for them. The so way that, that cannabis is fractured
3: state to state and not mm-hmm. unified, you don't think we'll be able to have four to one lobbies like
4: it'll ne- it'll just end up legalizing okay. because they change sides. I wouldn't say never because at some point cannabis will become a a a massive industry as well um but um and at that point then big alcohol may be in big tobacco maybe in. you know who knows i will say this we do spend some time um you don't see this stuff on social media because that's not where stuff is really happening but we do spend time trying to educate tobacco pharma like look you know stop beating on us um and so yeah
1: yeah uh, um I saw a study. I think that uh, each state legalizes uh, pharmaceutical sales go down about 10 billion. Right. It's like, this is a bi- big money, big money risk because it's so alcohol too. Yeah. And, and cigarettes, which, you know, I go back to what I was talking about with my kids, alcohol, cigarettes. These are the things I worry about. If this can reduce that, then this is the solution, right? And yet here we try and keep it in a box. We don't have a unified voice state. I mean, we've legal five states in five months have legalized this year, right? Like the the it's accelerating. There's only three states left that don't have some form of legalization, even if it's just like low THC or whatever, like it's gonna be everywhere. States uh, like Washington DC is really interesting story. So they legalized uh a, medic, a retail there. You can self-certify. So all you gotta do is say, hey, this helps me sleep. Everybody's running in the gift economy, though, which they don't want. They want it to be like fully above board, but there's nobody to grow the weed there, right? And so if you become a legal store, then you have no more supply because there is no legal supply there. So that's why they start talking about interstate commerce and things like that. And you need those connections. I think you'll get the states starting to do like, you know, interstate commerce packs, basically, and you'll see a transaction. I I think it could be even in the next 12 months, some weed will (laughs) go from one state to another uh, within a regulated system. It's like every, we talked about this a little bit
3: before the pod on off the mic, but uh, it's like every state tries to learn it all over again on its own Mm -hmm. without learning from the other 15 to 20 states that have already tried to learn it the hard way or aren't doing it right Right. or overtaxing or it's like, or only let six licenses out for the whole state fully vertical. And now, and now they're charging crazy prices for, for just shit quality. There's just so many levels to this. And it's like, yeah, you're like, oh, they're going to get it right. And yeah, then yeah. it's <laughs> like now New York.
1: second try. Oh, yeah. Now New York or, or even
3: <laughs> Amsterdam, right? They had a they had 50 years to figure it out. And now they let six grows pop up. And then you hear from in guy inside guys like, oh, they're overspending the thing. Where are they going to sell all this weed? Like every business, the huge, huge indoor grows. And it's like in Amsterdam now, they're going to sell all that. Right. Like, Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's interesting how the industry doesn't learn from itself. Like, I wish some of the politicians high up would go to authorities in different industries, go to authorities in cannabis. We know them. A lot of them have sat right where you guys are sitting. Like look back at the podcast, Mm -hmm. guys that know this industry, like the back of their hand have seen the ups, the downs, the in-betweens and have conversations, open conversation. Most of these guys, if you couldn't, you can definitely pay them for their time Yeah, and And have have a conversation with a lot of these guys. And in a couple months, your whole state, the, the whole layout would be different.
4: You know, the other thing that that really gets people to change their opinion, it's almost like when you see somebody who's staunchly anti-gay and then all of a sudden they have somebody in their family that's gay and they're like, oh, shit, you know what? Turns out gays aren't that bad because that's somebody I love. Right. And then they're like, oh, okay, maybe my whole stance is a little bit screwed up. The same thing with the CBD qualities of this plant. And so many people, I mean, Graham and I for years- uh, we have we have a strain that's really high CBD and, and low THC. And there are people that, when people are desperate enough, their family member is no longer wanting to fight cancer because chemotherapy is so harsh. Then they come to us. Um, I mean, what, we're about seven years away from being MDs? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you're coming to us, you're probably coming for this. And once they try it, I've seen people that were serious prohibitionists that all of a sudden are like why is this not legal it's like cancer
3: well, yeah we'll change that so many right. people
4: when yeah. all of a sudden they realize the plant helps them with so many in so many ways um that's that's been the biggest thing and then and then going quietly and talking to these politicians and then all of a sudden it becomes real about the pain of cancer and things like right. that and if we when we able to put cbd some good quality cannabis and they see the effects it changes yeah. Black leave, I, I would say we have a a gentleman who's a board advisor named Dr. Orrin Davinsky. He is a he is the preeminent guy, if God forbid you have a child that has seizure disorders. Mm. And he helped get Epidiolex through the FDA. He is the preeminent guy and he swears by cannabis. And um it's amazing how many minds he changes because what cannabis does for children that are suffering from. A debilitating situation mm-hmm. and it, he can make it disappear with cannabis and so whether it's cancer whether it's this the other thing is I have a number of friends that are staunch prohibitionists but they'll come talk to me we have a conversation and I'm like do you sleep well well yeah you know what I hate ambient. I'm like let me give you a sleep gummy why don't you give this a whirl and then they try see C- they're like what's CBN what's this and then they find out well still not sure about legalization but man i I love those sleep (laughs) gummies and that's you know
1: it's it's a one by one blocking and tackling yeah i mean i think and it's that's really the reason we're here right like we think this plant makes the world a better place, right? And so as, as soon as we, as a people, can realize that we're identical with nature and not separate or above it, like nature has most of the cures that we need, right? It should it should not be the last resort when you're, you know, terminal whatever. It should be the first resort. Pharmaceuticals should be the last resort, right? And there's so many of them, PTSD, anxiety, sleep, cancer. I had a f- friend who has a, his daughter, a two-year-old had a Dravet syndrome. She would have like 50 seizures a week. He made a CBD tincture for she has one or two a month now like it's hard like a so happy that hear that story but b, like how how much of that are we still doing like we need to open it up we need to realize that nature and us are the same thing and that this is the solution for a lot of what's out there and um, that that's why we're really here right Is like we want to bring as much weed to as many people as possible well and and for those you know cancer is a big
4: deal to me a lot of people think that inflammation causes cancer Well, what's a great anti inflammatory? CBD. So I could make a good argument that this should be part of your daily regimen because it might actually cut your cancer risk. And also, less inflammation typically is less pain. Yep. I mean,
2: the body has the
4: endocannabinoid
2: system, right? So it's like we have this in our body already. This isn't even taught in schools. Like, this is a system that's in your body. That you go to, go and ask the doctor about it, they know nothing about it. So, I mean, like, that, that right there
3: is crazy. So, you know, we, we got still a lot of work to do on that in that, in that area. There's so many cultivations, distros, all, all these things out there right now in California that pay taxes that are trying to be on the right side of this. Mm-hmm. Why do you think when, like, robberies are so prevalent out here, no one's showing up to help? You know, And and it's like, okay, one thing, if we're in Florida and we have the gun laws we have, but now here in California, mm-hmm. you have none of that. Mm-hmm. And so now you've paid all these taxes, like law enforcement just isn't showing up to cultivations, to distros, to dispensaries. We just, we heard about cookies and Beverly Hills just got hit mm-hmm. a week On ago. Melrose.
1: Melrose, sorry. Yeah, in Melrose. Yeah, we're, and we're still second-class citizens, all right. I mean, there's a lot of stigma out there. It's you look at where they most of the time they try and put dispensaries. What do you going think? That's mainly a state issue. I mean, that wouldn't happen in Florida, I don't think. No, I understand. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> you put the dispensaries are next to the strip clubs in the dump. That's where they like. You know, it's because that's what a, too much of society still thinks about what we're doing. So yeah,
2: it's real. I mean, they they zone you out, right? They zone you away from churches, away from schools, away from universities, what to basically into like. You know, the cuts in these cities, right? And then when something bad happens in these these bad neighborhoods, right? Nobody wants to come and show up. It's like 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 Graham said, it's like almost like you're a second class citizen. Oh, the the wheat cultivation? Oh, we ain't going over there that. to deal with that. Yeah. We got better things to go deal with. Well, this is a this is a local business that just got robbed. So- Why can't we think of it like that? Like any other local business that got robbed. You'll
4: show up for the jewelry store. So I would say, by and large, I I completely agree. Once in a while, you'll see. You know, I'll get a a phone message: "Hey, the police chief of this city would like to talk to you," and I'll take him to the store. And I've done that many times, trying to educate and say, "Look, this is what this is. This is, you know, it's a high tax paying industry that will help fund the the school teachers, the fire department, the police department." Um, but let's be realistic for what this is. And also your kids are going to be the ones working here. And so we had some pretty good luck and we've had good luck in Santa Ana, uh, which is in Orange County. We have a store down there and I remember walking there one day and we'd worked really hard to educate the police. And I remember they came and I just happened to be standing out front a police officer thought I just, you know, was a worker at the store. And he said, can I talk to you for a second? And I said, sure. And he said, just to let you know, One of the other dispensaries actually had somebody they thought was casing and so we wanted to give you the information so if you see this car um call us and we'll be here and i was like thank you that's treating us like every other business Mm -hmm. too often that's not the case like like they're saying but i believe again it's breaking down these barriers and educating people and we can work together to do that and get the messaging right so
3: it's the rift it's the rift that we've always had that continues the rift Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even after okay Interesting. 100%. Uh, As far as, I I know I looked up, uh, you participate in political fundraising with Newsom or for Newsom. I have given money to Newsom, yes. How do you think he's doing with the legalization or how do you think they're doing with legalization in California?
4: (laughs) Boy, that's a toughie. I, I would say for, just to put it in context, he has the largest market, largest cannabis market in the world to govern. He also has generations of people that were that are in the legacy market (coughs) that you know a lot of them feel like I don't need to come over. I don't trust you. I don't trust the government. I don't like any, you know, now I'm gonna have the police knowing where I am and with records and all the other thing. So I think he's got a he's got the most difficult job. Um there's times where I think he's really getting stuff right where I think he's moving things along. And there's times where I don't think he's, he's there. Um, but overall I would say he's much more of a friend to us than say the governor of Texas Mm -hmm. and the governor of Florida. So, um, but that's kind of the, I I would say overall, I would say he's doing a better job.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, if if you look at still $5 billion of legal weed, right? Like that's, two to three times bigger than the next largest market, right? I mean, so in terms of what's happening, it's as good as it gets currently, right? I think that if you look at, Lee is the, is the, uh, the head attorney for the DCC should read some of the recent stuff he's talking about how he wants to interstate commerce, how he wants an open market. He makes an analogy. Kyle makes a similar one. That's like, you know, in, in the U S 95% of the strawberries are grown, you've taken my strawberry <laughs> 95% of the strawberries are grown in California for the entire country. Right. And now if you just let California sell strawberries in California, how, how many happy farmers would you have? Right? Like that is the real true solution. It's a true solution for the smaller guys. It's a true solution for the bigger guys because the world wants California cannabis. Like te- tequila comes from Mexico. Champagne comes from France. Weed comes from California. Right? Like you, you, you know what's happening in New York, right? New York, someone in New York drives by 22 legal States to get to California because we've got the best weed here, and then drive it all the way back, right? So if you can open it up, the Alyssa Market tells you what people want, which is California cannabis across the country. So I really do appreciate the work that they're putting in right now on pushing for this interstate commerce. So the bill, Bonta, Lee, Nicole Elliott, all those people, like they want what we actually want. Challenges, you know, they wanted everybody to come over from an unregulated market. And instead of making it easy, like when they ended prohibition, they gave a seven-year tax holiday. Nobody, if you signed up to be a legal you know, brewer, you didn't have to pay taxes for seven years. We did the exact fucking opposite, right? You got 13 different agencies that got to sign off. It takes 270 days on average to get a license. It costs you hundreds of thousands of dollars. They tax the shit out of you. There's only 800 dispensaries that are actually open that you got to try and move it all through. So what they could do now is help with interstate commerce, less taxes, more retail.
2: I would, I would echo that, uh, governing some less taxes. Mm -hmm. Let me say that less taxes, less regulation. I mean, we need, there has to be some regulation, of course, right? Everybody knows that, but like, it is hard for the single operator or the single cultivator to survive in this type of market. I know plenty of guys that are from the, you know, the other side, right. And they want to come over. They want to be legal, right. But they can't survive in that market when you're just being taxed at every single step of the way. So we need to, we need less taxes. And, and, and I think a lot of the people that aren't in the legal market will come back over if they can make a living and make a survive.
4: The, the, I think you know, I, I, I echo what, what Luke just said and what Graham said. The thing that I think w- that let's say the excise tax, 15%, yes. let's say that we got a holiday for two to three years uh, and there was discussion of it last year. Um, we need to work on selling SCIU. The um, Service Employee International Union. There, they need to be convinced for anything to happen on mm-hmm. that front. I can tell you that just from where the pressure points are, all of the money. Now, remember, <laughs> money is going, you know, from that excise tax to them. So, it need there needs to be an education to say, if you do this, you'll get a lot more of the market to come to the legal market, um, and then when you turn those back on. You'll be the beneficiary of a much larger market because the market that's paying you now is really hurting. Right now, retail in this state is really Incredibly feeling the pressure brutal. because the, the taxes got put on retail. And mm-hmm. so, and and I think the best thing, as Graham and Luke both said, is to make this totally inclusive, make people want to come to, and too often government is not great at that. The the tax was put in a Prop 64. That was not a Gavin Newsom situation. So he has to somewhat play where it lies. And then you've got different
1: factions. So I think the the number one, the biggest mistake we made in California was the local control, the two-tier licensing, right? So everybody thought California legalized. Well, there's 438 counties and nothing happens until they say go, right? So even here, five years into 64, 60% of the municipalities don't have a legal dispensary. Like how do we how, do you, how can you expect that system to work, right? There's 11,000 liquor stores. There's 1,000 dispensaries. There's 77,000 places you can buy a cocktail, 1,000 places you can buy a joint, right? Like that's not the right number. We know it's not the actual number. It's probably 4,000 illicit dispensaries. We need to get them over because people don't, they drink bathtub gin when that's the only option, right? Like give them something quality, convenient, safe, tested, they, I mean, I don't know of any bootleg gas station where you can buy gas for half price with no tax, right? Like it will eventually get there. We just need to help speed it up.
0: What's your views on the overproduction that's taking place in California and the burner distros? That you know the allegations of that's and up on the black market
1: now. So I, I think I the way I actually like to think of it is, uh, I, it's you have supply demand imbalances or not. Uh, oversupply under demand, two ways of saying the same thing, right? Part of the reason I harp so much on retail is if we had 10 times the, the stores, we'd have 10 times the happy farmers, right? So connecting to that customer all the way through the, le- the license chain is, is tough. Um, I think, you know, the last two years have been really rough in cultivation. Um, you know, we were doing our thing and getting hammered along with everybody else. Um, but we also, you know, I, th- I think things are going to balance. People aren't smoking less weed, right? There's not an overproduction problem until people are throwing weed in the ocean. Never heard anyone say, I have all the weed I need. I've never heard anyone say it's as good as it needs to be or as cheap as it needs to be, right? Like we need to, I think, think more about the consumer because the market is not for us, right? The market's for the consumer and the patient, right? We're all here to serve them. Part of the reason that we do what we want is we want to make cannabis that's affordable to people as well. Love the love the $80 eights, but it shouldn't be the only option out there, right? So we're trying to make something quality California cannabis for everyone is like our, you know, company tagline. And so we're trying to make that happen. You've seen a massive reduction in the number of cultivation licenses in the last year, something like 20 million square feet. You know, we went from 8,500 licenses to under 6,000 now. So a lot of production is leaving the market. And again, partially because the regulations are too high, the taxes are too high, and there's not enough retail
0: and more states are going online in a major way, like, like Oklahoma. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, I think, I think part of the reason- which most of that is not licensed. Yeah, I think a lot of the reason that California went through what it went through is because of Oklahoma. I mean, two weeks, 500 bucks, you could get an unlimited acre acreage license, right? Like compare that to California, when it takes it $2 million in two years to get a license, right? So Oklahoma pumped it out. I do think that the market saw that oklahoma weed and california weed aren't the same thing right and so i think you're gonna see a lot of that sort back out and it's pretty clear um that people want california cannabis everywhere so you know i i've heard i don't i don't know what a burner distro is like and i don't i don't know if you know how would would you define a burner distro uh
0: where they buy the product on metric Mm -hmm. and then they take it off metric by saying it's something else or whatever i'm not sure how the process works but that's the idea. So you buy it on the legal market and you take it off using a burner dish, dry. I guess, meaning they're going to get rid of it or stop using it. Or I don't know yeah, how that
1: yeah, so, works. So, so I it's actually, it's a good thing to start. So the way metric works is you have a product. Let's say start at the beginning. You're in nursery. I grew some clones I manifested over uh, in metric to the cultivator. They receive it on their side, right? So us, we could buy clones and we receive it. Now it's our responsibility. That's as far as the nursery guy can see it, right? So, like if you said, hey, you sold clones and you sold, uh, you grew the plants and you sold them on the, on the illicit market. Like, is that the nursery guy's fault? It's not, right? I mean, you can't, or how about the grower grows something, he processes it into distillate and that guy sells half of it out the back door, right? It's, it can't be the nursery guy's fault. Could it even be the cultivator's fault or what about the processor's fault, right? So, the way that metric works is it's not a subjective system. It's objective. You have a license. And it's l- legal and valid. And you put it into the system and you manifest, you know, the 50 pounds over to it. And then if it's received on the other side, that is as far as you can see. So like we go above and be- we have a 15 you know, person compliance team. The regulations on this are like two paragraphs. We go, we have sales agreements and, you know, check licenses and docu sign forms and look at, you know, a driver's license. And like we're so above and beyond what the regulations say, but there is a limit to what you can see. Once it's received on the other side, that's that's about as much as you can do. Even if you wanted to do more, there's no real visibility into that. So, you know, I, I hear the chatter about the burner distros, but like, I don't I don't even know necessarily what it is. If it's a valid license and they receive it on the other side, that's where our you know visibility stops. So we most of our customers we've been working with for. Three, four years, we're the weed in a whole bunch of brands across, uh, across the state. So, you know, it's not just Glasshouse, but it's actually in a bunch of other, other brands out there. You know, to me, a burner distro is like here today, gone tomorrow. We've got customers, many of them, you know, four or five years. Like that's the opposite of a burner distro to me. And, and
4: yeah, and for whatever it's worth, we're publicly traded. So we're audited for two different countries by serious firms. So as as Graham said, um, and then we also send in independent auditing just to make sure our compliance team, because if you can imagine being, you know, one of the larger
1: players in the largest market, to think they don't know us very well would be uh, ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, we got five years of audits. Those are literally forensic accountants whose ex- sole job is to find people doing shady shit. Like I've sold plenty of weed, you know. Uh, 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 Pre Prop Two Fifteen, Glass House was started in Prop Two Fifteen, but when Prop Sixty Four came came around, we decided that from the beginning, one hundred percent, we would never sell a pound that didn't go through metric. There is no back door. There's no off books. Uh, it is it is as compliant as you could possibly be. And sometimes that's been painful. We could have played a market back there that would have made us a shit ton more money, but we decided this was going to be a hundred percent compliant from day one and for always. And,
4: and look, we all can you know, talk about the rumors we've heard and this company does this, and this company does that. It's like that in this industry. You'll never hear us repeating any of those rumors ever, never, ever. And I would say, find, there's plenty of video of us. And I would say to Luke, what happens when law enforcement gets energized?
2: Oh, they're coming. They're coming. When it, and that's the whole thing, right? It's like anybody in this industry who says points fingers and says, these people are doing this, these people are doing that. Where I'm from, we got a word for that. Period. I don't got much uh, else. Yeah. To say.
0: Yeah. That's a fact.
3: We feel pretty much the same way. I, at least I do as well. That there's a line and you know, you start pointing fingers, there's 10 pointing back at you. Exactly. And it's easy to, you know, cross that line and think, you know, well, I'm justified because that because should never enter. It's either, you know,
2: it so, is or it's not. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I I agree. I agree. Go ahead, Pack. I know you got no. Nah, we just we're you know we're really asking questions for the community. I'll be honest. He had to brief me on a lot of shit today. I didn't know a lot about you guys. I'm pretty naive to a lot of the drama. I keep it that way because mm-hmm. I, you know, it's my attention ending. and energy isn't going to that. I'm cre- I'm busy creating. I'm busy doing my thing. Yeah, so. my,
1: my time's in the it's greenhouse, not uh, yeah, on Instagram. Exactly. That's where my so, work. is. but like,
0: we do serve the community with this project. So you 100%. know, this is the time to talk about it. And like we see it as. It being a hurdle that has to be jumped for sure. Um, but addressing it as, yeah, we need more retail, we need less taxes. I think we can all pretty much agree on the things that need to happen yeah. for things to get better, for people to be visible, have a real life mm-hmm. with real bank accounts, and not have to worry about bullshit. How about that's able to the get big a big hold up and maybe
4: get an SBA loan? like any other business. Mm-hmm. And how about yeah. not
0: paying 280E taxes, being overtaxed. Having to be, yeah, being able to write shit off. <laughs> they,
3: yeah, we're so crazy, accustomed yeah. to that's being crazy. suppressed yeah. that when you say that, I almost want to laugh like, oh, that'd be the day. Right, right. it's crazy, because right? Because of how suppressed yeah. we've been, like in the past, you know, it's, it's definitely, we've gotten accustomed to, having to go out the back door and not and not figure but literally figuratively mm-hmm. right like oh you can rent that building the one yeah. that's the roof's the super falling in one. and yeah. it's yeah. next to you know the worst neighborhood in all of about yeah, yeah yeah that's yeah. the building yeah, that's for the only, you that's your only choice yeah, yeah really. it, it's been it's been a tough go for a lot of people in cannabis you know and that's why i think people do want to come after the law enforcement <laughs> background is because too they've gone through it right and so it's that right. is the, the we're roundabout. the bigger
0: players you guys are big players yeah, yeah, um, yeah we there's we not honestly, many, we don't sit with many teams that you know you guys are well well hears and stuff this isn't your first successful project neither are you guys no, so yeah you know and that's i mean it's impressive when i read when i started reading about you and private equity uh doing real estate and stuff i asked myself why would you go from that to cannabis <laughs> and do you would, if, you, if you had question. to do it again would you do it again <laughs>
4: You, you know because uh, that's a pretty sweet gig I, and you, <laughs> so i still have the real estate gig going um, yeah. um but i took my focus to here and god that's a tough question there's times where i wake up and look at the ceiling with some of the stuff that we've we've gone through as an industry and it's been just insanely hard and some of the things we were just talking about for a second i'll answer your question i was on fox business in at, in the pen during the pandemic when they announced ppp loans Okay, PPP loans were to help companies survive the shutdowns and I brought up cannabis should get PPP and the host was like taken aback, laugh, ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, wait a second, 2019 was the last most powerful year of our economy before we went off the rails and which industry in these United States, you know, hired the most people during that year, cannabis. So I said, we're paying more than our fair share of taxes. We get no representation. And now you're saying we shouldn't get PPP loans? That's that Sick. is insane. And you, this is a business show, and it's it's so it it's
1: just it's just extremely trying. Yeah, stigma is real. I mean, it's you know we really are second. We've mentioned three different ways that we're second class right. citizens: where you can go, how you can bank, whether or not you get someone to show up when the when the burglar alarm goes off. Like we got a long. way, I mean, we're making a lot of progress, but we've got a long way to go. And I mean, my wish for you know. To the to the industry, right? It's like we agree on so many more things than we disagree on. How do we get together, and how do we help move? Like you know, you the pie, pie is pie is plenty big if we work on growing it, right? I mean. This is probably a hundred and fifty billion dollar interest industry in the United States. Like that's a lot for everybody. We get DTC and interstate commerce, right? Like, you know, I feel bad for some of the guys in Mendocino. The county capped them at 10,000 square feet. I don't know how you make that work in today's climate, but you turn on direct to consumer. You can go, you know, what a thousand pounds out of a thousand square feet a year. That's uh hundred and fifty customer, you know, fifty. 50- 50,000 customers, it's 128,000 eights. So 50,000 customers that buy an Tiva and a hybrid, and you're sold out. You're doing that at $50 an eight direct to them, and you're keeping that money? I mean, that's, that's a $7 million business. You can grow the most premium craft, everything you want, B Corp, 1% for the planet. You're still going to make a couple million bucks. You work hard. You do something that's good for the world. You make a product that consumers care about, and you make an honest living. Like That's the world that we as an industry need to be pushing for. And you're here, here.
4: Yeah. yeah. And, and also, you can then tax, even if it's not a huge amount, and that helps pay for the schools and everything else. So you don't need to overtax the small amount of people that are here. Tax less a much bigger industry where everybody gets to play.
2: Tax it like any other commodity. Yes. I mean, it's that yeah. simple. Like, I know that sounds crazy to everybody, but <laughs>
1: tax, tax it like any other commodity. And an excise tax on a, on a bottle of beer is 13 cents. Right, they, they, right, and that's poison that kills people. Right, like we when we walk out there, thirty percent. If you spend three bucks, a dollar, of that's going to the tax man, right? And then we expect people to participate in the legal market and et cetera, et cetera. Or we're tax, you're supposed to tax things to discourage people from doing them. This is medicine. We're over here. We're charging alcohol thirteen cents. Here you charge it ten times as much. It makes no sense. And and I think the the long answer is probably could have done things that
4: would have made me more money than than this for sure at the end of the day, I really believe in what we're doing. I believe in what he and the team are doing. I believe him getting out there and getting the word out. And so if my participation in this helps that, and if I can help people like Weldon and I can help move the needle. And then, you know, quite frankly, you know, my wife, when she had both knees replaced, she used CBD and THC. Think about that. They tried to give her opioids and she used this natural product. And I can tell story after story. So to me, if at the end of the day, that that's what I, my participation, that's that's my reward, and in any way I help some of those 27 or all those 2,700 people get out of prison, then I will say this is a,
1: I'll be thrilled that I was part of this. Yeah. I think we're, we're going to be on the right side of history. Because yeah.
0: both you guys um, were suc- pretty successful before this. You too, exiting mm-hmm. the company, being able to go on a sailboat, and then mm-hmm. founding member of Sonos, you know, like it's interesting that you know you come back around and pick cannabis i i do have to say you guys must have you know had some passion there somewhere because mm-hmm. there's no way you make those nah, moves, if you don't if have the
1: passion you're gone from this industry
0: <laughs>
3: you yeah know, you, you have to have that to survive but we've seen that yeah. we've seen the warehouses go up and stay empty without yeah. electric hooked up yeah. we've seen lights and everything ready and not a plant go in we've seen all the guys that come in and they're like this isn't mining gold oh, no yeah oh
4: hold on i thought, I thought we were pulling was gold out of the yeah, ground it, yeah, yeah yeah and it's hard it work you know we when we're asked someone says hey how could I raise money? How could I do this? What should I look out for? I've never not answered the question or sat down. When we were early on HOPS Latent, and I remember, you know, we worked with some folks from the UC Davis Virology, they just graduated, and we were early, early, and we didn't know what the heck it was. And I asked Graham, I said, now that we know and it's going to start hitting, And Graham's like, this is open source. And he would even point out, he's like, you have a problem here. People even know they had a problem and he would, he would do it. So we really try and be a value add to the industry. Um, And so, yeah, there's some skills that we've been able to bring to the table that we have shared and we're always willing to share. What's the key to raising capital in in cannabis? So you need to put your shoes in the investors, you know, in the investor's shoes. Why give you money? when right now they can make whatever in treasuries, that you have to look at their options. Um, and then you have to look at your own business plan to to see, you know, um, what is your path to profitability? How much cash do you need? You should probably overraise. Um, and when you see companies that pay have paid way too much for uh, the leases or things like that, um, I mean, there's a number of, of businesses that I think made some missteps on the capital side, that um, sort of doomed their possibility of, of kind of getting to their side of raising more capital. But um, yeah, that, that's an easy, but I would say look at your business plan, keep it simple. Um,
1: and just why would somebody, if you were that investor, why would you invest with you guys? Kyle's one of Kyle's big strengths is being able to raise money in really tough environments. I think a lot of that's from twenty-five years of raising money on the private equity side. And I mean, that's at the end of the day, you're betting betting the jockey, not the horse, right? And so we when we first did the two farms you'd bring up guys that had known him and like, it was a flyer, right? This is a weed nine, 10 years or still prop two, You're talking about buying a big piece of real estate. Like that's a, that's a kind of, it's a ballsy bet, but that's still federally illegal, still federally illegal. No. And you can't get a loan for, and that you're, you know, you, it, I mean, back then it was like, we had all our books in case, you know, the sheriff came knocking you basically were hoping you were okay in the prop 215 days right so like that's that's your tenant <laughs> that guy who might get arrested in any day and so but he had a lot of people that have uh, have followed him and that he's treated really well uh, over many years and so they were willing to take that bet and then we did the next farm and then we were able to put it together and uh, then we went public which is his own fucking ex- whole adventure on its own not for the faint of heart but That was, you know, that's an experience and a half too. And then still federally illegal, right? Like we're public on an exchange in Canada because you can't, Canadian companies can trade on our stock exchanges, but U S companies have to go to Canada, right? Like that again, another second class citizen, right? We can't be in the normal places. We're not, we're not in the club yet, but we keep pushing and I think we can change that. Well, the other thing is there's danger with
4: private equity out there with the debt out there. It can be very sharky money. And so we've, we've met a number of people, we know a number of people that are amazing growers and they're amazingly good human beings trying to help the planet and they make a really bad deal because they don't understand that and they don't have any places to go. No one's educating. And so um, so when I go through and I, and I look at them, I'm like, you know, once there's sort of a trust established, like, how did this happen, w- w- you know, and then let me see if I can help you get out of that bear trap. So, um, and so you see lots and lots of lawsuits. You see lots and but there's a lot of sharky money out there. So it's um we did have an advantage that that I've raised money and have a I've made money for people in the past so they're willing to take a flyer on something new. Um, but everybody knows people that could write the checks. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I would say is you not only just be careful of taking if you the less money you take, the better. The more you can just keep it friends and family that people know you and trust you, um, and that you're putting in your skin into the game, so they know that you'll be a loser if this goes wrong. People feel always better about that. Um, but you know, I, I we try and take as little money as possible. I know that's weird for a publicly traded company to say, but it's just dilutive. And you know, there's it's a very difficult industry because it's federally legal, and so we're all at the mercy of that situation. And so it'd be nice if we had people that could help consult with some of these really nice, good people to help. Do you really need this? And what are you going to use it for? How are you going to use it? And let's be smart. And believe in your vision, right?
2: Like people can tell mm-hmm. if you believe in what you're talking about. I'm not putting my money with anybody who, who looks like he's kind of iffy or just kind of in it for this or that. Like
3: believe in your vision, right? And somebody's going to put something behind you. Yeah, yeah, and if people think, you know, just to give perspective, if you think it's Sharky now, just wait. <laughs> yeah. Just no, yeah. really, just wait. So it, it gives you perspective on: are we in this together? Are we all divided? Where are where we all stand with each other? Uh, if you think it, they're Sharky investors now. Just wait till it really opens up, and they're like, oh, oh, one hundred and fifty billion and we can be you know and they start to put the math together with mm-hmm. interstate commerce and all the other stuff and that man we could put you in indiana in and in the middle of nowhere and grow this for nothing mm-hmm. right and then you start to get just buyer beware there's so many brands that have put their uh love sweat tears blood into this and with the wrong swipe of a pen Right. They're not called what they used to be or what mm-hmm. they have built for 20 years. No. So it's just for perspective on the whole industry. Like, uh, you know, like you say, hold your value, know your worth and uh, sharpen your tools now. Yeah. Because yeah. it's only going to get bigger.
1: Right. I mean, we we don't even we don't even know what big weed looks like yet. Right. There is Budweiser or whatever the equivalent is not even here. Like that's, that's going to be another phase. It's part of what we're kind of gearing up for, right? Is we want, we want to be a strong enough company that we can start to, we can do battle with some of those guys and then in that next chapter. And I think, you know, we need to band again, another place we need to band together as an industry, another place that safe banking would help. Right. Like that's that what's we have bank accounts, right? All the small. For folks that don't have that like that's who that truly helps gets pe- keeps people from getting robbed in dispensaries because they're going to use credit cards and things like that so like again another place we just got to band together and push things forward as a unit
4: but but you know if you ask me about where i i believe the future businesses in this industry when it's when cannabis is just a massive industry it's not the folks that have lots of retail licenses in all these other states if you're not doing business here in california this is where, this is Mecca. So um, I, I believe in the businesses here. I believe in the small growers are going to have some amazing, you know, just like craft beer. Uh, and I don't mean to insult the folks if they say, oh, you're comparing me to craft beer. Um, but we know some of the small growers and we know just like Graham did the math, um, there's been some of the small Emerald Triangle growers that asked if they could vertically integrate with us, like we buy them. And if it's not a win-win it may feel like a win today because we can help with some of the money side, but you're going to hate us when all of a sudden you can go DTC and do the math Graham did. You're not going to wish you were part of a publicly traded company. You're going to want to pass this on to your kids. And mm-hmm. this is going to be, and you'll grow and you'll do your thing. And so that's that's the day that I'm really um, excited about. A, a lot of the so-called big, big cannabis today, if you're not in California doing stuff, I, I don't think
0: you'll have the big value the values are going to come here
4: from here do you have any
3: more questions
0: yeah something that something that often gets talked about is the collab with sea junkie and doja pack what did you guys think about how the collab went
4: so i would say this i have I, how do they come together you know i, I mean
1: I, those guys are fantastic at what they do right uh, this jbz and west like i don't you know they're top of the game the genetics work that they they do is second to none. Fine. Uh, yeah, and, and Doja is amazing too. Like he, I, I love. And that's part of what I love about this industry, right? There's so many right ways to do things, right? There's like there's Doja being the curator, the seed junkie, like mixing the beats, right? uh <laughs> you, you, you got you know everybody doing their th- their thing in their own way, and they're all awesome, right? And so when we had the opportunity to work with with those guys, uh we thought you know we want we want to grow the best weed we can, right? It takes the same amount of work to grow good weeds as it takes to grow amazing weeds so we always are trying to push for amazing um and so we are stoked that we got a chance to you know try some stuff with them felt bad for the you know the heat that they took i think uh is so overblown and i mean it's it's hard when you read that stuff because half of it's completely wrong but you can't argue with the internet you can't spend your day you know yeah Again, can't it no i'm in the greenhouse not on instagram trying to correct everyone's missing information right and so uh we were happy to work with them we ended up you know splitting splitting ways on that it was you know not the right fit and we totally understood that and you know like the guys and still grow a you know, ton of their strains i mean they got fire, fire well, shit. aren't they the reason why california is amazing um and
4: sea junkie ha, they come up with some great strains they're going to come up with more great strains node compound there, there's so many and and by even me just mentioning three now i feel like they're just that's what makes california great um doja i mean he's a special human as well and and you know i can't wait uh i know he he uh, teased something about gatorade blue gatorade on your show and mm-hmm. i was like all right, now you got me all ready to be a consumer. Tell me where I can get <laughs> this, my dog Chico, like, man. John, no. I, you know I'm what?
0: waiting, man. We waiting. Yeah, so I mean, he, he said it.
4: Wait, yeah, it's not no here. No pressure.
1: Um, <laughs> and,
4: and and again, more you know, more more great California, California, and you know, uh Wizard Trees. I mean, there's
1: just so many amazing folks, and out all of there. them awesome, right? Like that's what I yeah. love. It's like everything that each one of those guys doing is fantastic. I love the way we do it. That's obviously why we do it, but there's so many great, we, there's just so many right ways. And it's like, Mm -hmm. that's what makes this industry so exciting is to see all those different lanes, all those people doing like doing the best that they can every single day. And then, you know, not to be California centric, but where else, but here does all that shit happen. Right. I mean, they just legalized shatter in florida like nine months ago right like that's <laughs> t- 2017 in california right we have the most discerning customers we have the innovation we have the culture we have the genetics like progression you know, right and it's like you know if you have a cigar one's cuban one's not which one you pick all you got to know you're going cuban right like california comes the california cannabis is the it's the home of it it's the melting pot that makes like everything else spring forth and that's why we're lucky to be here and happy to be a part of it and lucky to surround ourselves with awesome people doing awesome things. Yeah. I mean, you have guys like Neem over Cambiotics.
4: He's doing his thing. His, you know, what he's selling today in 2 years, it's going to be a completely new lineup of 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 other strains, come, you know, that all these great um, strain hunters come up with. So we're we're super like uh, to to be here, it's just fantastic. And I loved uh, I cannot wait for Doja to drop his um his newest strain.
3: Yeah, people would be absolutely blown away if they knew how many of the biggest strains in the last five to six years that Sea Junkie was behind.
1: Yeah. A lot.
3: A it's for probably sure. I'm gonna say eighty percent. Yeah, I was about to say seventy five to eighty percent of the biggest strain. And it's it's easy to hate on people when they're that'd be like saying, you know, the amount of work. It's it's interesting well, because when you get successful, you're a sellout. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's like skate. That's, that's why right, we always well, talk about like, cannabis like, like skateboarding. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah they're all like, every, every every like interesting. That. Yeah,
0: they are not, as as people, Even for artists, music artists, yeah. like you sign a big deal, they're like, Oh, now he's doing Now, pop. now, yeah. now, he, not from now street, you're doing radio right. shit. Yeah. yeah.
2: He bought a mansion and now he's a sellout. He don't live in the hood anymore. Yeah.
3: You don't want to struggle your whole life. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Like
2: all this hard work, right, is to build that up, right? And to be able to say, like, look, man, I made it. You know what i'm saying i put in the hard work that's what it's about it's about putting in the hard work and then you know reaping the fruits of
3: your labor if these guys didn't have a love for the plant they wouldn't still be here it's the reason period all the people are still here cannabis is not easy it's it cannot be fun sometimes mm-hmm. but in the end it's worth it when you have love for the plant yes. and love for what we do And so, you know, like you say, there's a lot of us are a lot more alike than we are different. And uh, we butt heads a lot over just nonsense. I'm not saying, you know, wherever you are on this, um, we are a lot more alike than we are different. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I pinch myself sometimes when I get to I get to go to work, help build a company that hopefully people enjoy working at working an amazing facility with incredible tools and the nicest weather. And, you know, in the country, making a product that truly believe makes the world a better place, right? Like happy people make happy plants, make happy consumers and patients. Like that's, that's, it's, it's that simple. And that's, we get to do that on, you know, Every day we get to work with an like you know my grower for 25 years we've been growing and now we walk around and we look at this incredible greenhouse that we get to use like I was couldn't even have dreamed of that when we were 15 years old so it really is it's a it's a it's hard work but it's a blessing to have the opportunity to work on the things we're working on and think about the jobs
4: at this industry in California you know these are good jobs and it's nice that we're you know it's not illicit anymore it's you can actually hire people and they can grow in an industry that. Someday will be much, much bigger than it is today, and it will provide so many opportunities out there. The quicker we can knock down the barriers, the better.
3: Yeah.
4: Oh, you want to see an army join
3: quick? All the trimmers out there and all the <laughs> bud <butt, butt> tenders. <laughs> yeah, there's two two of the biggest armies that you know that reap the benefits of this this industry. Both. You know, and sometimes they're in a position where they couldn't or would have a harder time earning the same pay in a different industry.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so. it's it's I love you know we have 10, ten stores now and. To see the, you know, we have a, a lot of time loving the plant in the greenhouse, but then to see the bud tenders and the, and the store and just how passionate they are. And I mean, our average consumer is like 46 years old or something like that, right? This is, it's not the stereotype at all, but like, you know, people are finding relief for their pain. They're sleeping better. They're getting off opiates. We've got a whole thing of you know, plants over pills, farms over pharma is kind of one of the mantras that we preach and like it, how many stories there, and how much passion and love They get to put out there or the plan is it's 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 really fun to watch and and how
4: amazing will this be you know california has had so many you know aerospace and hollywood and all these amazing industries that then you know skateboarding surfing this is the home of so much cannabis should be the next big thing Mm -hmm. for you know the gold rush this should be a real green rush especially for those folks that are the fauna of this which are those legacy growers the small growers that have done so much with the strains and to actually we want to move the ball forward for them. Does it help us? Sure. But it, but it helps the entire industry, which is good for everybody. To, to end on this, what do you say to the
3: guys that say this massive production is the death star to the small
1: guys? So, I, I don't think that at all. I mean, the view I have is, uh, again, do you, you use alcohol as a comparison, right? Like, one of my favorite beers is Pliny the Elder from Russian River. You basically got to go to Santa, Santa Rosa to get it. I mean, it's a phenomenal beer, but you're not going to find it in any store down here. Love that beer. Having a steak, perfect. If I'm going and hanging out at the beach for the day, I don't want a six-pack of Pliny, Pliny the Elders, right? I'm thinking, you know, it's a Sam Adams, it's a Corona, it's a Pacifica, right? So, there should… there's. Something for everyone, right? And so, what we do is our own lane. If you be the regenerative soil, indoor LED grow, like just do that at your best. We're over here doing our things, and I don't think there's. It's not one or the other, right? Like just some. You you want different things at different times for different people. I love you know some of the aids are amazing. Keith at Fig Farms and the shit he's growing, uh, incredible. But it's 80 bucks an eight, right? And so there needs to be other options in other places. And that's, that's the lane that we're trying to fill. I mean, if you look at pricing in the last year, it's doubled. That's when our grow came on. So I don't think the math lines up to say that it's the death of anything. We're trying to grow the industry. Not, we're, we don't need to take anybody else out to do that.
4: And, and we have great weed. But, but as he said, you know, Ted at Alien Labs, doing some pretty great things. I don't think we're a threat to Ted. Um, you know, we mentioned, you know, antibiotics, they're doing some great things too. Um,
1: wizard trees. So
4: we're, we're in a pretty distinct lane
1: and, um, We're trying to be the best us and they should be the best them. And there's room for everybody, I think. And we're trying to open the industry up so that so that everybody- Yeah, we would, that's one thing. I, I would like to see, I think ev- we should get everyone in the tent, right? One of the things I do think this industry gets wrong is weed's great, reads great, but only if you do it my way, right? There's this kind of like elitist gatekeeper kind of culture, like be, I mean, if you love Coors Lights, drink Coors Lights, like that ain't wrong, right? Drink what you want, smoke what you want. And this idea that you have to do it only this way or only the way it used to be done like that, to me, that's bullshit. I think if people don't think they like weed, they just don't know how they like it yet. I want everybody in the team in the 10. I want because because it makes the people better. Right. And so we get everybody in here and not this elitist gatekeeper who can be in the club bullshit. I think that's another, if we could get rid of that, I think we do, we do much better as well.
0: It's a, it's a generational thing because if you said your average consumer is about 45, 46, they smoke different than 30 to 35, mm-hmm. oh, 25. Yeah. And then even young 20s, like, they smoke different. For more sure. on the blunts, more on this, yep, more th- sure. And there's a pattern with everybody across yep. all cultures, all boards. It's all the same when it comes to cannabis, especially in America. So um, by you going after the older, you know, demographic like that, that's just being true to you. Yeah. We're just, which we're what just I'm trying seeing, to do the best glasses. You know, if be. you were trying to go after, like, and have – Hype Mylar bags and all this other shit. I'd be much more concerned to like, what right. the hell are you guys doing? I wanted to ask how comparison to re- normal business or regular business, how much harder is it to scale a, a cannabis business, specifically cultivation?
4: Mm. So shout out to everybody in this You're business not. right now. And by the way, not just cultivation. You can be in manufacturing. Right. You could be making that. I mean, it is so hard raising money, banking, payroll, All the normal things that you would have in a cockpit of running a business are slowly getting put in, but a lot of them don't have even what we have. So I would tell you, if you're still alive as a company, I I, I salute you because it is much harder than the other businesses I built. Uh, I mean, 10X harder. Wow.
0: Easily. It's something we kind of personally wanted to know too. yeah. Yeah. It's like,
1: I mean, it, farming is hard in general. Yeah, like in, in any plant. So, like you know, shout out to the farmers too. It's really hard if you're trying to do quality and consistency at a fair price. That's the right. That's you. You can't win a golf game with a hole in one, right? You got to hit a few under par every time, and so that's how you got to just keep keep going around. <laughs> so and, I like and, that. And, and 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 doing it a little bit better continuous incremental improvement cannabis makes you know people th- i think there's not the growers they know but m- people think it's like a easy to grow it's weed right it just goes no. not when you're trying to do quality and consistency and do it do it every time so i think it's 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 like a, it's almost it's interesting it's almost like a it's like a strawberry right it's like a fruit with no skin right nothing to protect it so i think people talk about oh they're going to grow it in tennessee or whatever it's easy Tobacco's a leaf it doesn't rot this is a fruit with no skin on it, there's very few places that it can grow well. It's very sensitive to the climate. If you want to do it well, it's really, really hard. And doing that, the bigger you get, the harder it gets. Because you know, I, my first grow, my six plants, I spent you know an hour on each one of those plants. You know, each time you can't do that. So what we do is we have an amazing team. You know, we got agronomists, we got weed whispers, we got greenhouse operations guy. We married married them together uh, so that we can we can amplify our love for the plant, not dilute it. That's our, that's the goal.
2: And that's the main thing, right, with a company, it's just having good people. When you have good people working for you, that's where really where it matters and it's going to show in the
4: product. And how about this entrepreneur? Was one of the early people in the game. Mm-hmm. Serves 15 years and is willing to get back in the game. That what it says so for
1: much. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Yeah. It's up. Still <laughs> <up>. <laughs> Yeah. Like but that, a, that's that's his draw you and know still he can, with a smile on his face yeah that's, that's the crazy yeah. part
0: i'd be much more jaded yeah i, I hate to I, say it listen, everything has myself. a purpose man and you just yeah. got, if
2: you can live your life like that with everything that has a purpose and just do the best you can
0: to be present be present yeah. so t- tell us about what you guys got going on in the future and any any collabs or projects or
1: um so we, stuff you guys want to shout out yeah i mean so we're uh we've got a handful of stuff going we're always hunting for great genetics we've got a, a whole area now where we're just doing r&d and pheno hunts which is pretty exciting that's that's kind of new for us to be doing doing that internally we're working with a few folks um one of them's got a strain specifically developed for ptsd He's a former green beret uh we're doing some testing on that which i think you know they've actually done some studies jeff Chen and some of those guys uh and, R- and russo as well did some clinical validations of this. Strain in particular really helps with PTSD, and so we do a lot of stuff for the weed for warriors guys as well. And uh, I think I think uh, Sean shout out, can, shout out to Sean, Sean, yeah, mm-hmm. I think he can correct us if we're wrong, but I think we've got the biggest SB thirty four donation uh, on on the books with him. We give away a ton of weed to, to vets because we know what good medicine it can be. Um, we're doing some really cool things with our plus uh, gummies. There's our edible line. We just came out with one that I really like. It's a THCV one. It's called flow. So it's two and a half milligrams of THCV, five milligrams of THC, CBN, or I'm sorry, CBC and, and GBA in there along with a little bit of caffeine. So it's like, it's almost, it's like you just get in this groove and like, it is a great all time, daytime. Need some lead. of those for the pod. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so rip a pod, you know? Yep. <laughs> <He's> that <laughs> sounds
0: interesting. And, and, yeah.
4: And I, and we're doing something now and we would love all the stores in California to do this, but we do a roundup program so that when you go to the store, yes you can round up your bill to the nearest dollar and uh, that money goes to Mission Green. Um, a lot of a lot of the MSOs are starting to do it, but we'd love to, it's not something we're saying, hey, come to our store to do it. The folks that have retail, we'd love to help them do this as well, because the more money that we can get into Mission Green, the quicker I think we're gonna see some good stuff happen uh, to
0: get the prisoners out. Mm-hmm. How could they b- become a part of that if they wanted to reach out? Uh, you Retails. can go to
2: projectmissiongreen.org. And that's the landing page, and it'll show you like where you can get in, where you fit in. I mean, if you're an operator, you don't have to be a big NSO. You can be a single store operator and become involved. And every penny helps. You know, every penny is going to go to helping reform the laws, get clemency for people that are still incarcerated, and just to be able to generally free everyone who's still incarcerated for cannabis. So please, please get involved. And, 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 and then we have like a a brand that's launching reform with um. Glass House and Weldon Angelos and Mission Green, and that's going to be really dope. That's, that's coming soon, I think, uh, this summer, right, or something? Yeah. So, yeah, that's going to be hot. And listen, man, we, we're on the ground doing the work. You know, it's demonstrated by the actions. You know, we're not talking the talk. We're out here walking the walk. Other companies can get involved too. This is not like it's something that's exclusive to Glasshouse. We want everybody to be involved. Mm -hmm. So listen, join the, come into the tent. Like Graham said, we need everybody to be able to
0: lift this at the federal level. That's real talk. I I fully believe in that, man. What's your favorite strain?
1: Uh, What's your I'm, a, I'm a sativa guy. So that super silver haze that I've been growing for 25 years is a favorite of mine. Uh, we really, we just got a lilac diesel, which is, uh, is awesome. Uh, it's, you know, sometimes hard to find sativas with real good noses on them. So I really like the flavor on that one. And then when I'm going to bed, it's kind of uh, it's cliche, but the RGG four just knocks me out. So that's, that's my nighttime before bed stream. So you just asked one favorite, and he just gave you, like, six. Like, <laughs>
4: That's
3: why I knew to ask yeah. him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he did it right, though. That's the yeah. rundown. Yeah. You know? like the way daytime, nighttime, yeah. nighttime like, I do the same what's shit. What's your favorite and
3: for you? Cal yeah. pie? pie? Yeah. He He's the same way. He's got daytime weed yeah. and nighttime yeah. weed. Got, got to. yeah, yeah. Different.
1: different. Very different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, I got to get you some of those THCV gummies. You sound like you might like that. You should give that Yeah, a that sounds interesting. You call it flow. Flow, yeah. And it's good. It's got nootropics and mushrooms and a little bit of, you're allowed to put caffeine in gummies now. It's a recent change they made. So it's a really nice balance with that THCV. That's what interests
0: me. Yeah, it yeah. kind of lifts it
1: up and then the caffeine balances yeah. it out. It's solid.
0: That's cool. I like that mixture. Anyways, I think a lot of people that smoke weed do. You know. Yeah, and and I guess I would you know close it out by also saying like these conversations are worth having.
3: Us sitting down on the podcast is worth sitting down. A lot of people want to just blatantly wash it away and say no one should even be in the yeah. same room. We shouldn't even talk about right, this. Yeah. That's not how things get done. That's not how you find out. It's the reason they have political debates. And they put people in the same room so you can see all the sides and then either pick a side or remain neutral where you were before. But these conversations, I just want to you know, for all the people out there because I see all the Instagram stuff, I'm in the mix, right? Mm-hmm. I see this the catalyst guy, I see all that stuff. Uh, it's I like that you guys were willing to come sit down with us
1: and have this conversation.: we' pretty sure you haven't. I mean conversations is how you learn, right? like you can't make a decision if you don't have the facts. And to get the facts, you have to discuss. I mean, that's, that's, they're hard conversations because they're important conversations. So we appreciate you guys having us. Um, I think, you know, the more you look behind the curtain on her, who we are, I think the more people generally like us, it's not the narrative that got hung up on the wall there. It's a bunch of people who are trying to build a great company for a great plant and, you know, help the world in, in the process. That's, that's what we do. That's what we get up for every day. Yeah, we,
4: we ignore a lot of the shade just because we don't have time for it. Like you guys said, look, we're... We're out here really working hard, and you won't find us spreading the shade, spreading bad rumors, or any of that kind of stuff. We're really just trying to put in the work and 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 move things forward. And if asked, we're always happy to try and help others in the space,
0: always. Luke, you got any shout-outs or anything you want to? Um, how long is the show? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, real talk. I just wanted to say free Parker Coleman, man. Mm-hmm. Thank free you. Jose Valero. Free Frank Rogers. Free Edwin Rubis. Free Mandy Carlson, and everyone else who's incarcerated for cannabis. We are still working hard out here. We're going to make an impact in this space. Anybody who wants to come join the team, join the team. Because we're working to really make an impact for everyone and all the communities that were impacted by Prohibition.
0: 100%. Yes. And I think I think it would be beneficial if we could speak to the, uh, the LEAP. So leap.cc, uh, they now call themselves
4: Law Enforcement Action Partnerships. They've gotten into more about police reform, things like that. My focus, uh, well, I think they do some amazing work and I'm, I can ha- I'll I yeah. happily introduce you to them if you'd like. Yeah. Um, in fact, Tom Angel, you may read some of his stuff, A Marijuana w- Moment. He was mm-hmm. at LEAP when I first really got in there. So Shalene uh, Title, you may read a lot of her stuff. She's got a big following. She was at LEAP. So a lot of the folks that are out there in the advocacy came from that. Um, and they're, they're phenomenal. I don't speak out about cannabis as much because I'm conflicted. i rather let them do it, but I was asked to speak out about the menthol ban and, and try and, which I think is asinine in so many ways. I won't even get into that, but, um, yeah, leap.cc is, it's a very worthwhile organization and they can help move the needle. There's so much work to be done to end the drug war or the war on people that use drugs.
3: Yeah. I like how you said that yeah mm-hmm. the war on people who use drugs because yeah. it's a problem for a lot of people it's That a, can it's a
0: somebody. low blow going after a drug user
3: yeah right, right. and I mean, most
0: of it comes down to substance abuse that's yeah. like it's probably a, it's 80 of the people that were in prison with me of course yeah. they're hooked
1: on so it's like yeah. something you know which is yeah, it's a, ma- mainly a, pharmaceuticals yeah. and hard drugs no yeah. and it's a mental health issue right like that's mm-hmm. you don't need to send the police for that it doesn't help nah, anybody no. right help
0: them get off of it
1: getting mad at the police Is almost like getting mad at the soldiers who get
4: ordered to go to war because the legislators are the ones who can end it like that the legislators are the one who put these laws on the books and the the cops don't really have a choice on what they enforce it's terrible and so we need to stay focused on where we can actually make change hating on cops free to do it that's not going to make the change go in and hold our, our legislators accountable and say and this,
1: yeah, it's Biden's pen that makes a difference, right? Not the guys on the street.
4: But but also, most cops they don't want to deal with homeless. They don't want to deal. With, they would rather deal with crimes with guns and crimes where people are getting hurt and properties being stolen, stuff like that. So again, let's let's make some subna- substantive change and and get this out of. It's really a social services issue. It's an addiction issue, and we should. It's so much cheaper to actually make good services and not criminalize people that have mm-hmm. a problem and sometimes it's a mental issue and they're self-medicating so there's so much here and again all of the money there's a whole lot of money in that um prison
1: industrial complex so we can start start by legalizing weed we got we, we got an easy one here we can legalize weed and we get 2700 people out of out of the cages legalize of the it yes exactly so we yeah, band, band, band together and move it move it forward is uh, is what we're all about and we we'd love to team up with people and figure out ways to make that stuff happen i mean it's easy right less regulations, less taxes, more retail, interstate commerce do you schedule this plant right like schedule one no known medical benefit and a high potential for abuse that is the definition study after study after study coming out and saying it's not that it's medicine right and so Follow the science, follow the, follow the money, band us together as an industry so we can fix this thing once and for all. And,
4: and also, if you use cannabis and you're a professional, come out. Yeah. Share. It's, you know, it, too often you just say, oh, it's the Cheech and Chong crowd and it's ah, ha ha funny on Fox Business or CNBC. That's ridiculous. People in
1: all industries. It's the doctors, use- the lawyers, the judges, <laughs> yeah,
4: everybody. And yet they're sitting silently watching cannabis persecution, people sitting in prison for the plant that they enjoy. This
2: mic's ready for you, Brittany Grinder. It's
0: they, 100%. Well, it's because,
3: and it's because that persecution and that stigma carries such weight through the times, right? Mm-hmm. Generations that even people like my folks, right? Uh, would not like come out and say a lot about that they like, oh, it's, I'm for it because they're afraid of what other people are going to think. Mm-hmm. And stigma. it's like,
0: it, yeah, exactly. It's so. That it's a difference in generations. Slowly dying. I talked to a, a older fellow from the super sativa seed club out of amsterdam mm. uh Correll. Correll. and he said my generation has to die off before this legalizes yeah and he's about 65.
1: i mean that's the biggest if you want to know if someone is pro or opposed to weed just ask how old they're it crosses it crosses over race gender possession. like if you're if you're over that's 65. The era they grew up in that's yeah. what
0: they got where they were just hammered with hammered the propaganda with the
1: It's not their fault right no we spent 50 billion dollars or whatever hammering it in Now kids are less
0: interested in weed than ever yeah because it's not a
1: taboo anymore
0: they
4: know what it is Mm -hmm. and they're educated about it and and by the way you just more educated so mama sue taylor is in she's older than us Mm -hmm. um and she's out there educating because people in leisure world and some of those we've had them laura ingraham ripped our team from fox news ripped our team and made a joke about us bringing seniors to our dispensary to educate them. And they wanted to be educated. They wanted to get off the pharmaceuticals that sponsor Laura Ingraham's show. So she needs to shut the fuck up. (laughs) Um, And so I would say you're right about the age generally, but we do have some people like- That's why
1: she's so special. She's
4: amazing because of it. And she's talking about how people tell her, uh, Candice, also amazing. They, they get out there and they're trying to help the seniors that want to be helped. They want to get off this this nonsense
1: yeah so mama sue is one of our partners we have a a brand with her as well she's a 72 year old african-american woman used to be a principal of a catholic school thought drugs were horrible had a firsthand experience with cannabis and now became an evangelist and now she's out there we have a sleep line and a a pain relief line that we do and it's you know kind of like i mentioned that some people need to hear kyle's voice in this you know ending the war on drugs for her, she's, she has a, 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 can speak to a different sector, right? The people who are older, the people, they trust her because they see her as, as, as the same as them. And it's really fun to, to see how, how, how many eyes she can open and how much relief there is. I mean, senior citizens, some of the most medicated people are in society, you, you, you just click off the drugs one by one when you, when you start getting some weed in you. In fact, you're, you're right.
4: I, maybe I'm fighting against the age thing, but a generation from now those kids will have no stigma mm-hmm. and the biggest stigma folks will be gone from the planet. So, but I'm hoping we don't have to
0: wait. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's gone. Yeah. When he said that, I was yeah. like, damn, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I, got yeah.
2: one, if I got, another 15, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to to thinking yeah. the presidencies. <laughs> I thought, I That's thought damn,
0: but I thought he's right. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of how sense. Strong. It's been, you know, yeah. and just, you know, the big thing about it is media cannot manipulate people like it used to. Because yeah, those days are over. Not only three they're channels. Watching yeah. They're, they're so, watching you
4: guys. They're they're watching you guys. They're watching Joe Rogan. It's
1: democratic they're, now. they're
4: listening to the the people that are in the space and hearing unfiltered versus just these soundbites that that corporate media that gets sponsors from big pharma, alcohol, mm-hmm. and then they end up blasting cannabis. How would that happen?
1: Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise. Maybe we are. You know, we're the farthest we've ever been, right? And yeah. I do. I think I'm as optimistic about the industry. As I, as I ever have been right now, because you're seeing the states go one after another, like there is a critical mass that eventually builds up, right? And so every day the most people have ever smoked weed was today and there'll be even more tomorrow. And as that experience happens, I think we know it's basically, it's a one-way transition, right? You you had a stigma and then you have a firsthand ex- experience and then you tell 10 people about that experience, right? And so like when we, I see people in our dispensary, it, it's a you know very boutique-y feeling, like, they don't have to put their hat down. It's not by the dump. They're not embarrassed to go in there. They're proud of it. They meet our bud tenders who educate them about the plant, leave more knowledgeable. Like, that's the cycle, and that keeps playing on, and we'll get wherever we need to be. Boom. You know, shit, man, wrapping up. Yeah. You guys, any last closing statements? Thank you guys very much for having yeah, us. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. I mean, Like I said, it feels like being on hallowed ground in here, uh, flattered by the, uh, the fact that we get to sit in these chairs, work you guys are doing, uh, best, best in the business right now. You guys are crushing it. I love it. Thank Please keep man. doing what you're doing. I mean, it's, it's very yeah.
4: important. You're like the, You guys are like the Joe Rogan of <laughs> cannabis. So having these conversations is huge. I mean, I literally brought this in because of your interview with Juan at Backpack Boys, and we have a lot of respect for what he's doing. Um, was that? Oh, he had the cannabis drink, and I'm like, ah, I love my tincture, and this is my when I'm not smoking. This is my go-to. So w- we just love what you're doing. We're honored to be here. Um, shout out again to the Emerald Cup and Tim and what and what they've done because we were super honored to be there too. And so um, and thanks for him. our four awards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and thanks for Luke to have the courage that he's always had, and he remains. And we're honored to be not only in his presence, but to be part of the being the glasshouse family with him.
2: Yeah, we really appreciate your guys' time, man. It's an awesome show. Thanks for having us. Uh, you know, the culture respects the hell out of you guys. So do I. So
0: man, big up, Luke. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. Everything you have done, and just jump out to continue to do, bro. You're a soldier, and just keep at it, bro. It's admirable. Thank you, bro. For real, appreciate salute, that. man. For real. Yeah. Um. And you guys, you guys are something else, man. You guys are are well rounded individuals that you know I. I think anybody having a conversation, it'd be, you know, there wouldn't be much objection. It's a, you know, pretty traditional character morality that you both have and that's you're being true to you. And I don't see anything wrong with it. You guys are helping more than you're hurting. And if you're hurting at all, you know, is a pretty objective opinion at this point. So, you know, we've asked some tough questions from the community brought you guys on and, you know, you guys agreed before you came on, we could ask you anything. And so we've done that today. And, you know, I, you know, overall, I, I, I think that having guys like you a part of this is our only shot because the trap guys aren't doing anything (laughs) and everyone else isn't doing anything. So they're just worried about making money, you know, and you guys have obviously made money. So, um, it's it's dope to see and and we appreciate you guys for real. Thanks for coming. Thank in. you very much, man. Thanks it's, for coming. That means on. a lot. Appreciate that. Absolutely. All the small growers out there just know the Grow Your Own show's on the way. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> yeah, wrapping bit. up, man. It's first smoke of the day. Glasshouse Brands. Let's go. Yeah.
1: Thanks for having yeah. us.